What's up and welcome to another MoGraph MoCast. I'm Dave. And I'm Matt. And joining us today is the super talented Lauren Fisher. Hello. And MoGraph is a supplement to our site, MoGraph.com, which is a motion graphics tutorial site with tutorials, plugins, podcasts, and other MoGraph stuff. And on the show, we talk about everything ranging from motion graphics to Cinema 4D, After Effects, plugins, render engines, doing business, doing taxes, being a contractor, or working for the man. You can email us info at MoGraph.com. Let us know what you think about the show, questions, comments, concerns, queries, show topic ideas, artist suggestions, and grievances. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, MoGraph.com, all the places. You can find us there. Send in your questions. We ask this every week. Noob, expert, different topics. What do you want to hear? It's important mm-hmm. because we, we want to know what you want to hear about. Uh, and we do include the grievances. Yeah. Why do I bring this up? Just know if you if you send us grievances, we may read them on the on the on the air. <laughs> Especially if you say I don't give an F read this on the air. Right. Which is why I'm bringing this up. Two reasons. Two reasons. Number one, of course, like I just said, the grievances thing, here they are. Now we can address them if there are grievances, mm-hmm. correct? So, what I would like to say is please don't comment or email us while admittedly drinking because I think you might regret it, and I think you might delete it later. So I'll I'll, I'll start with yes. that. And I'm you know again I'm only addressing this because he wanted us to read this. You know, so we'll do that. Um, it was sure a complaint. Censor some of the parts. I'm not I'm not reading it word okay. for word verbatim. Okay. <laughs> I'm just this is what I wanted to say is that we got a complaint that we are a circle jerk podcast mm-hmm. and talk about too much technical stuff that nobody cares about like render engines and NFTs and nobody wants to hear about that. And you know, I, I we we can't cater to every single person mm-hmm. and make it exactly what we you try want it to be. We try and, we, we try and cover a little everything for everybody. Um and you know, we he also said we we elevate only the popular artists, and the industry is ageist, and we don't cover that. And um, he said he's not getting enough work, and we're selling this quote, uh, fantasy freelance lifestyle. And a freelance life and a fr- and freelance gig is is about what you p- put into it. Um, I told him we cover these topics, and if there is something like covering ageism. Or something like like he was talking about to send us the email. Let us know because that's how we cover these topics. Uh, he said we're on our high horses and that we don't know what it's like going from making good money to making nothing. And I got to tell you, as somebody who in the crash was trying to pawn things to get money, to get gas, to get to work, yeah. I can say I have been there. Um, and then after telling us what circle jerking terrible people we were, he pr- proceeded to tell me that he didn't like how he was treated in the Slack a couple years ago. And my thing about the Slack is we feel like, I mean, there have been some very small Slack issues from time to time, but mm-hmm. no, but in general, everybody is so welcoming. Mm-hmm. We try to make it a, a welcoming place for everybody who for different types of work for different races for different religions for different genders different lifestyles whatever it is we try and bring everybody together in this community and if if somebody has an issue you should let us know like right away absolutely because if stuff like that is happening we want to know yeah we definitely want to know because this is a great community and we're trying to keep it that way um and so he doesn't like that certain people were a certain way and it's like okay well there's over a thousand artists or more in there there's plenty of people i'm sure that you could get along with um 
he he likes art for art, which I understand. Some people mm-hmm. just they don't like commercialism and art, whatever it is. And I said that you know, that feels like a really good place actually for NFTs because artists who want to do art for the sake of art <laughs> and get paid for their art are really enjoying that fact in NFTs. Yeah. But he also said that NFTs are BS. So yeah. he deleted the comments. Which some of them are. <laughs> we'll get onto that <laughs> during the drop because I got I got some words. <laughs> but uh, he he deleted the comments. Uh, he emailed to apologize for calling us a bunch of circle-jerking high-horse fantasy pushers. <laughs> and then proceeds to end the email with F you and whatever MoGraph video production your stank ass came on. I'm like, <laughs> okay, right. well, that seems kind of productive. <laughs> but that leads me to point number two on this, is don't be a dick. Like, you'll, you'll get so much further in life as a motion graphic <clears> designer. <throat> just be nice, friendly, treating people the way you want to be treated. Absolutely. I can't stress that enough. Like, you, you get exactly back what you give you want to call mm-hmm. that karma whatever you want to call that you know it's it's it my true genuine suggestion in this case would be to give it a second try we're all friends here and i encourage you to give it a second try a new approach to it and just see what happens when you put into the universe what yeah. you want to get back Absolutely. i feel like i feel like that's a good way give it another try the community's here for you um if you're frustrated with it, I understand some people are, you know, not doing well in freelance, and, and it's frustrating. I get that. But I think that people are here in the community to help you with your issues. And uh, you may not like everybody, but I'm sure there's somebody out there who, who can talk to you and help you um, get through these <clears throat> things. Yeah. So. Nine, 95% of the people that I've met in this industry are more than willing to help and um, uh lift up and you know just amplify any other artist you know we're not here to yeah. hate at least yeah a good majority of us aren't yeah community's still here so yeah. hit us up and uh you know we're here uh other things just in the week wrap up uh, of course uh, lauren is here with us we're gonna get to all the uh the fun things in a minute mm-hmm. and a uh, couple just real small things we did have an article that came out this week and it's about a project from the mill. Make sure you check that out, MoGraph.com slash news. We got another article that's coming up this week as well. And the only other thing I had here, you just had a note about licenses, just a note for people to, to know yeah, about so licenses on Maxon One. Here's something that's interesting. Um, so I, I discovered this. So I don't know. I've been, I've been trying to like discover about myself things about myself and the way that I work because I find I get distracted a lot. You know, my my uh, oldest child was diagnosed ADHD, so I'm like, could he get that from me? Do I have a little bit of this? You know, so I've been a lot more uh, cognizant of uh, like getting distracted and stuff, and so I wanted to... I'm sorry, what? I, I needed to use both my computers. No? Nothing? You know, and I feel... Oh, did you say something, Dave? Yeah, I, I, you were talking about being distracted, and I was like, what? Oh, I? see, I can't hear you. Dumb joke. It's like everything Dumb you're joke. saying is, like, cutting out. It's like it's, it's uh, like there's a noise gate or something. I love Skype. I love Skype. Here, let, right me, let me fix it for you. You can probably hear me better now, right? I can, yeah, but okay. we'll see how it goes. Right. Anyway. Well, so, I, I, it always fixes it. So, anyway, the stream could hear it just fine, but okay. what I was saying was I was making a very quick and not funny joke. right. And it so, got me distracted. Continue. So continue. anyway, so I had both my computers running and I wanted to, so 
I don't know if anyone, I'm sure everyone's had this issue where you just can't have Cinema 4D and After Effects open at the same time because they just don't like each other or something. So, well, graphics cards. Yeah, graphics cards. Don't, whatever. I don't. Yeah. I don't understand how I can have two 3090s, like 128 gigs of RAM, a 14 core, 28 thread <laughs> machine, and I still can't run Cinema 4D and After Effects at the same time, right? right. Without one of them crashing. So anyway, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to use Cinema on this machine. I've got another machine that I mostly use for my emails, but it's got or, and a render machine. And it's got two 3090s in it. And I was like, okay, I can render some stuff over here. So I opened up Cinema 4D on the other computer, and I opened up After Effects on my main computer. And then my Red Giant stuff was like, oh, no, you, you this, this isn't licensed to this computer. And I come to realize that... If you are a Maxon One subscriber, where you get all of the, uh, you get Cinema 4D, Redshift, and all the Red Giant things, it is tied to one computer only, not one application. So, which is annoying, because if I want to use After Effects and C4D at the same time, I have to have them open on the same computer, and that just doesn't work. So yeah. I'm going to what, what what sucks is like if I had known this in the beginning I would have just paid the extra hundred and twenty five dollars you know the separate. to separate the two yeah. licenses you know so that I could use them on two different machines so anyway that's an interesting thing and I I don't think a lot of people probably have come across that mm-hmm. yeah you know and uh, maybe it's something they could address I, maybe it's yeah, just something see, nobody's really thought about before I, I, that's understandable I would love I would love to see you know yes you have one license but it's it's licensed per application versus per computer you know yeah I get it's probably easier yeah. to do one appli- uh, one computer sure, sure. versus one application but it just kind of it just kind of that irked me you know and so, yeah. I mean, a hundred and it was like one hundred and thirty-five dollars to separate the two. You don't get Redshift, but I don't really care, you know. Yeah. If I needed it, I'll just rent it. But I mean, I, well, I don't know. Plus, I have I have Max on one with the Redshift license that you, that you could use because, yeah. I mean, yeah. I just got Max on ones so have an extra Redshift right. license, right? Right. And so, so it's like yeah. I I don't know. It's. It's, I was just I was annoyed by it. When you have to do something like that in the middle of a job too. Like that's uh-huh. it like yeah. throws you it, you know, you feel like you're 5 years old and you're just like you just want your stuff to work and you like right. having to step back and then maybe email Max on or email somebody and get that all figured out. It's mm-hmm. like you just you're not prepared when you're in the middle of a job to deal right. with that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so now like, now it means I've got to take the time in order to call up sales and be like, hey, I want to cancel this. I want yeah. to, you know, switch over to this, <laughs> you know? And it's like when you're in the middle of a job, it's like I don't have time for that. Yeah. So when you when you open up a uh, cinema a new version of Cinema 4D to work on a project and you realize you don't have Forrester. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, and your plugins. Oh, yeah. that's going to be a process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Guess I'm going back to the old Cinema 4D because yeah. I won't have Forrester for three days now. Yeah. Yeah. I went through. <laughs> I I switched to. I did the same thing where I was. I use um, I use a uh, Red Giant Universe when I'm in After Effects, mm-hmm. and then I went to go use it, and it's like this this handoff from Red Giant Universe and the the their installer to Maxon mm-hmm. One, and it like it what didn't end up being a very difficult solve, but it took me a while to find it, and again. I'm just trying to like render something out of After Effects. I'm yeah. like, I don't want to think about this. I don't want to e- email someone or look at you know Reddit or whatever it is I have to do. Like, yeah. 
it's just, uh, anyway, we're very, um, vulnerable. It makes you realize Mm -hmm. how vulnerable we are to, you know, the manufacturers of our tools and if they make a change and we need, we need things to go smoothly. We we work on razor thin margins and razor thin timelines. So those Mm -hmm. kinds of things can feel very more scary than it sounds, you know, when it's like, well, Mm -hmm. just whatever, call them and, you know, or render one at a time, stay up all night rendering, you know, (laughs) cinema 40 during the day after effects at night, get over it. But it's, it, when it's, you know, you're on a job and it's business, it's more serious serious business. Speaking of the manufacturer, (laughs) Rick's in the chat. He says, just to clarify, you can jump between machines with the deactivate activate in my Maxon. Yes, I totally. You just can't use two machines at once. Which you you couldn't you couldn't be rendering an octane over here in cinema and then go to your other computer and go like work on the comping for the other thing. Yeah. 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 It's understandable why it's that way. It's just good to note if you're if you're planning on if you're having like multiple yeah. machines. See, Rick also says I think the way it works mostly designed so enterprise customers don't split a max on one and give the red giant to the editors and C four D to the three D artists. Understand that's not great for freelancers. Yeah. But the way I was thinking I was thinking about it last night, it's like why why as an enterprise customer, you know, like a studio if you've got a mixture of After Effects and C40 people in their own separate space, why would you buy Maxon One in the first place versus just spending the extra $125? Because right. then you can just split them up. To me, because that wouldn't, one that artist seem... is going to be a 3D person and right. one artist is going to be a comp person. Right. So yeah, yeah, why, would you, why would you want to do all of them? Yeah. It, to me, it I'm just sure seems... that it's a lot more difficult behind the scenes. Oh, I'm than, sure, yeah. Than it seems <laughs> yeah. to... Come on. Know. Come on, Rick. Just fix it. Just fix it. <laughs> yeah. just make it you just hit a button, right? So we're all the Sorry, same, right? Please. Seconds. Please fix it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, so anyway, we don't really have any render stuff today. We're just going to get right into it uh, yeah. about your, your background and history and everything and uh, start from the beginning and, and tell us about school or not school and, <laughs> and how you ended up doing what you're doing now. Yeah, and I, I think I'm the perfect person to not talk about render engines, actually. I'm the right <laughs> guest because I, I know them. I'll get into that. We can We can get into it a little bit as far as what I use as an artist, but it's not my focus. Um, it, it hasn't yeah. been. So, um, so yeah, I, I went to, I did go to school, uh, for mm-hmm. what I do. Um, I went to undergrad for photography. I went to Ohio university. I'm from Cincinnati cool. originally. And, um, I loved school. I loved learning art. I got really into film while I was an undergrad and graphic design, just art in general, but especially film in graphic design. So by the time I finished my photography degree, I was like, I want to keep learning. I want to study animation. I'd always loved animation, but it's not a, especially I'm going to age myself and, you know, I was, uh, I graduated high school in 1999. So, um, this is before, this is in the before Mm -hmm. times, you know, before (laughs) YouTube, before so many Mm -hmm. things. So, uh, even the idea of motion graphics as a career was something I didn't even know about yet really mm-hmm. um so i decided i wanted to go to graduate school i wanted to study animation i had more to learn and i also wanted to get out of ohio i felt like i needed to yeah. it, it wasn't crucial that i leave ohio but i needed to learn more and yeah. so i applied to a couple of schools but really cal arts experimental animation program was something a friend of my father's had told me about um, Experimental animation. Yes. That's cool. So That's cool. everybody knows CalArts. Care- well, I think a lot of people know 
CalArts a character animation program. I mean, it's basically mm-hmm. like a factory for, you know, Disney animators and Pixar mm-hmm. animators and just amazing people. But, um, and there's two programs. There's character animation and experimental animation. They used to be one program, and then they sort of split them up because there was more interest. And But it really started out as this um, very, like, treating animation as fine art. You know, that was kind of, that it's it's an art form. It's not just this sort of, um, vocation or something that is necessarily, which I love cartoons. I love, um, character animation, but that there's more to that world. It's a huge wide world of experimentation and, um, you know, moving image. So, so they split off the programs and experimental animation has plenty of character animators. Um, Steven Hillenburg is one of the notable, uh, alumni. Um, he, um, created SpongeBob SquarePants and uh, yeah. he so he had a what's what's great about this program I, I could go on a long time about it but the it's it was a graduate program um, and they wanted people that didn't have animation backgrounds but okay. were really interested in learning this art form and could bring something else to it Steven Hillenberg brought hmm. he had a marine biology degree um, yeah that's right that's he right. was a brilliant <laughs> yeah. you know had a great scientific mind and you can see where it applied to his creativity he had mm-hmm. his student films were amazing he did a student film called wormholes which i keep trying to find maybe cal arts has put it up but um mm-hmm. it's t- super trippy and fantastic um but so i got into cal arts uh which was a miracle to me because um it was my dream school I, it could have been on mars it wasn't about it being in la it was about this program to go and learn um animation without this expectation of you. I'm not like a master draftsman. I can't really draw. Um, but they saw, you Same. know, I have a, an eye, I have an eye for design. I, I love to create things. I love computers. I love, you know, there are all these different things that I love to work with and that worked well enough for them. And so I went to CalArts and, um, it was fantastic. It was just a great program. And, and it's not a highly technical, uh, pro- it wasn't at the time I learned after effects there. I learned Maya which I hated Maya, <laughs> like with a passion. Um, it turned me off to 3D for years, actually, even after I started mm-hmm. my career. I was like, I'm not a 3D mm-hmm. person. I'm not a 3D person. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so after I graduated, though, I, I got into broadcast design. I, I got an internship while I was at CalArts and uh, started working at a company called New Wave Entertainment doing um, – broadcast design. So main title mm-hmm. sequences and, and, you know, show packages and network packages and just like thrown into the fire, you know, broadcast design, um, same with working in like trailers, like that kind of a world where you have lightning fast, like turnarounds on a lot of things. And it was like a boot camp for me. So that's re- really where I learned a ton of my software knowledge. So at CalArts, I, I, I learned to respect myself and as an artist and as a, a creative mind and, and have three years to be there and yes, learn technical things, but to just make, make my art and figure out what that is um, and be around some really brilliant people. Um, but the technical stuff and that sort of learning, I freaking <laughs> really learned on the job, on the fly from my coworkers um, and just experimenting, you know, just trying things and, and um, learning through trial by error, um, mm-hmm. a lot of errors. <laughs> Did you get into Cinema 4D at that point? So at this point, Cinema 4D was like a very, um, like a light kind of 3D program. It wasn't mm-hmm. what we know today of Cinema yeah. 4D, or at least in my perception. And I, I think, you know, it was like, oh, you can make 3D type in it. And it felt like this kind of not something that was a heavy, heavy hitter kind of 3D software. And then, like I said, I learned Maya CalArts and I absolutely 
I respected it, but I was like, the way I can't be creative in this program. You have to like mm-hmm. know a math equation to get to something, <laughs> and I need to be able to see it and experiment and play with yeah, things. Yeah. And, you know, yep. it needs to be in my hands um, much more. So, like I said, four years of the the first four years of my MoGraph career, I like wouldn't even think about three D. I was like, that's not for me. I'm not a I'm not a three D guy. I'm not a, you know, like I, mm-hmm. I, I got, mm-hmm. I learned After Effects really well. I mean, After Effects became my, my soul, my bread and butter, and I really loved Same it. Here. So I'm glad I did that. Um, but right around the time, so I worked, I worked at New Wave. I worked my way up from junior designer all the way to art director. I had a great boss named Scott Williams and an executive producer Shari Jacoby. They really were like, uh, they. They believed in me and they threw me into opportunities a lot that I didn't think I was ready for. They let me mm-hmm. like direct shoots for Disney Channel. I was like to talk about we did the main title for Wizards of Waverly Place nice. and Selena Gomez. Nobody knew who she was. Like, and I, and, you know, I didn't. I had a master's degree in experimental animation, and I'm sitting here directing these green screen shoots. Mm-hmm. You know, with real. I mean, they're child actors, and there were some. You know, the parent actors, but I'm directing them. But like something, it's really great to have a boss, especially at the beginning that saw something in me and knew that I would go in and do that and I wouldn't F it up, you know? Absolutely. Like, and I, Absolutely. luckily I didn't. So I got this great experience uh, in live action. So that was always my thing is like combining live, live action with um, animation. Um, you know, I love photography, film, live action, but I also really love design and animation. So always combining those two things. Um, and then, so I worked my way up and... I, you know, this was the crash, you know, 2007, 2008, uh, things were getting weird. Um, I luckily, thank God I wasn't laid off, but like things really had shifted. Um, and I felt like, you know what, this isn't a time to sort of hunker down. This is a time to kind of like keep growing and keep going. So I, um, I left, I had a stint at a company doing marketing and that was, that's a whole other podcast, but I did a year where I was doing, (laughs) I was basically like a, on the client side of doing trailers and marketing for independent films. And then after doing that for a year, I was like, I miss making stuff. I miss MoGraph. I miss animation. So I was like, I'm a freelancer. That was like my big (laughs) business decision was like, I posted Mm -hmm. on Facebook. I think I was like, hi, I'm a freelancer now. (laughs) Like I left my job. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And, um, this is a big thing with the network. My, my friend, Will, who I worked with at new wave, um, was working at another company called the famous group. And he's like, Hey, you like sports, right? And I was like, yeah, I do like sports. He's like, you should come and work here. You should come and, you know, try it out. So they hired me as an animator. And this is like my big, uh, moment. Uh, this, like, I love to tell this story and I'll keep it brief, but, um, I, I started there. They hired me just as an animator, even though I had been art directing and directing stuff, but I needed to, I needed to prove myself. So I did this job and it was like for the Cincinnati Reds. So I was excited about that, but it was like very, it, they, they sat me down and like, okay, what we want you to do is like, we have these live action plates and we want you to animate on these billboards that have footage on them. And they are like transformers. Like even today, this is like kind of a hard shot that like, I don't know, Mm -hmm. breaking up video across planes and and having it unfold and putting in a live action plate. So I sat there and and grant you, I had like just started learning cinema right before I left new wave. So I was Mm -hmm. like, not good in 3d, but so I sat there, I gave it like a couple hours where I just sat there and was like, let me just see what, what I can do. And then mm-hmm. of course I couldn't do anything. So I walked into, <laughs> uh, the producer's office and I was like, Nick, I was like, 
I think you might need somebody else for this job. Like, I don't think I'm good enough in, in 3D at all. Like, I and no harm, no, f- like, I'm so sorry. Yeah, I can totally leave right now. I was, like, firing myself. Yeah. I was like, I'm out of here, you know. <laughs> I felt, And I was, like, freaking out in my mind. I was so excited to work there. Uh, my first freelance job at Famous was, like, a really cool company. And I felt like I was failing immediately. I felt like an imposter. I was like, I don't belong mm-hmm. here. And I, I'm going to quit. Yeah. I'm going to, like, I'm going to change careers. It was, like, this big disaster. So... <laughs> Nick was like, no, 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 we'll, we'll give you some other stuff to do. And like, they gave me other stuff to do. And Will was like, no, you guys, Lauren's really awesome. Why don't you let her pitch on something? Keep her around. She's, she's really good. They let me pitch on a couple of things and my pitch is one. And after that, it was like off to the races. Like I did, Mm -hmm. I I started doing some of my, literally my best work, uh, in this space in sports. And I was given all this creative freedom. Um, there was something, and I loved sports as a kid. So there was something in my little, like child and my, you know, my inner child was connecting with the adult artist and like, you know, Uh giving each other a high five. I love that. I love that. Something, something magical started to happen. And I started making really great work, um, with famous and, and, and several other clients over the years, but really famous was, um, one of my key, uh, clients that I just, they just let me, pitch these wild ideas, um, Mm -hmm. to sports teams and for events. And, and it was great. Like it was, um, some sort of magical chemistry happened there. Um, I, 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 what I think is interesting and it's so funny because this, your story right here goes back to kind of what we were talking about with the disgruntled listener earlier. It's like, you were able to flourish really well in this industry because you had like either a boss or a mentor or whatever who mm-hmm. let you experiment and be yourself and like, you know, try and encouraged you, Yeah, you know? And yeah. I see for me for like 12 years or 10 years or something, I worked for someone who was very negative, you know, and it wasn't until like, I basically worked my tail off. He finally was like, okay, you know, you can do whatever. But it was like, I feel like, I, 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 I feel like everyone should be that person in order to encourage more people, you know, to, to just to be themselves and be better. You know, I don't know. I think that's, I, I, I feel like, I feel like everyone's success can come to almost who their boss is or who their mentor is. You know, and it's great to hear that. Yeah, it's 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 that thing. And I guess it's like a cliche, but like it's you opportunities come and they have to find you working. So it's like this combination Mm -hmm. of like I was working really hard. Right. I was putting Mm -hmm. myself I wasn't like demanding opportunities without trying, putting myself out there, learning, putting in the work. work. So it's that it's that magic combination of like hard work there is like a talent thing and the opportunity, but it's like the hard work is like the biggest one. And then being open to the opportunity, which is terrifying too. Like maybe if someone Mm -hmm. does give you an opportunity, you sell yourself short before you even get there. You're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I think a lot of us say no to ourselves first before we Mm -hmm. can even get that opportunity. So it's like, it's like being open and and saying yes, even when you're terrified um, and, and, putting yourself out there before maybe, maybe even you think you're ready. It's like, it's this mm-hmm. weird, conco- it's like this weird chemistry thing of like, cause if I had like tried to, to start my career, um, having known everything technically possible 
I mean, I threw, right. I threw myself into right. freelance where like, I like barely knew cinema. I knew, I knew after I wasn't inexperienced. So that's a, that's the thing. Right. I think some people come out of school and they're like, they become a freelancer and they expect to be the most highly professional, you know, all these different things where it's like, you right. just started. And I, for me, that was what was right. good was I started at a company for five years where I sort of got that structure and understood mm-hmm. how a business works because what freelancing really is, I mean, you're a, you're a small business, you know, yeah. you're, you're opening a small business and that is, yep. is risky. It's scary. It's like, you know, and all this stuff we were talking about too, at the beginning about like community, um, not everybody accesses community in the same way or feels comfortable in the same Absolutely. way. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, it can feel homogenous. You know, I thought, it, I think it's really interesting that conversation at the beginning, um, how, how interesting it is, like our, what we do, like MoGraph, like animation, it's this very singular thing in a lot of ways where it's like, it's you and your computer and your creativity, yeah. right? You're alone yeah. in a dark room all the time and it, <laughs> but, and so when it comes to like our community building, I think it's, it's, it's hard. We're just, we're challenged in a lot of ways because of the art that we make, the style of art that we do. And the, the, um, sometimes it feels like you need to be like a lone wolf, but it actually, you don't need to be. And, but I can say for myself, I'm not somebody that's like been to all the conferences and been huge in, in the community. Um, you know, it's, it's, I've just been somebody who's like been like worker bee. I'm just like work, 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 work. <laughs> and that's, that's my community is like the people that I work with, the work that I make. I try harder now to like open up and especially cause I feel like I have something I can share. I think when I was younger, I was like, what am I going to tell somebody or well, how am I going to like help anybody else? And I just stayed very kind of insular. But anyway, I was just, I think that was a really interesting thing at the beginning. And, and I sort of, you know, relate to that feeling of feel. It, it's easy to feel like an outsider when yeah. we're all outsiders. Yeah. We're all, you know, right. like this is such a, our business is very small in a lot of ways and, and very niche and very, it's, you're very vulnerable. It's a creative industry. Um, yeah. it, there's just so many things it's like, we're not, we're not accountants, you know, this isn't, zeros it is zeros and ones we're using computers but um (laughs) it's not black and white and it's this very subjective thing and um i don't know because it's hard i mean absolutely (laughs) it's not rocket science with an accountant with with an accountant they put their stuff in excel you know they get the same answer every time no matter which accountant does it but if you were to say you know uh, give me, give me this with uh, a floor and blah 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 and blah, 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 you know, and you explain all this this abstract ideas. Every single person is going to do it different. Yes, you know, right. I see it all yeah. the time. When, well, you know, I am lucky enough to get to like direct projects where I have artists that I hire and mm-hmm. that are you know interpreting a vision that I have, but I'm trying to let them be themselves too within it. And yeah. it's really interesting to see how everybody approaches this, like you're saying the same creative problem. And sometimes it's the right fit and sometimes it's not. And and it's like, it's like, it's not because you're not awesome. It's because this particular thing needs this particular point of view. And it's just like, it's very tough. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's tough to deal with changes. It's, uh, it's also tough to deal with criticism, but, uh, I think everybody in our industry does a pretty good job of, of, giving constructive criticism because obviously you know you go back to the old days the old those old you know forum days of doing motion graphics Mm -hmm. back in the day i posted my first reel and it was garbage of course it was garbage (laughs) 
but my uh, some people actually gave me real feedback and some people just told me it was garbage mm-hmm. and it's the people that gave me the real feedback that actually helped yeah so there's no real point in telling somebody what they're doing is garbage even if it is garbage yeah um the, yeah <laughs> you 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 have to give that constructive criticism and say this is what i think because there i've seen a lot of frustrated people that were in the same boat as I was at that time where it's like, Hey, look, I'm technically, I technically understand all this, all these things. So here's mm-hmm. my demo reel. And then everybody's like, well, that's garbage. I'm like, why? I understand all the technical details. Well, you don't know anything about fonts or typography mm-hmm. or colors or, or whatever. I'm like, Oh, okay. Let me go study that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's constructive. And, um, all these years, uh, and I still don't know how to do it. So, um, it's it's a it's it's so helpful to have that community that can help you do that. But mm-hmm. my question for you uh, on, on that point was like, how did you know you were ready? Of course, that's a ba- that's a bad way of phrasing it. Nobody knows when they're ready yeah. to go freelance. Yeah, yeah. But but did you do any prep for the for it? Did you say okay, I'm going to save some money? Did you just go out and do it? Uh, what is that? Because we talk about that, the freelance life, the glorious yeah. freelance lifestyle. And <laughs> we all have, we all struggle with it. Yeah. We all have problems. Even once we become successful, it's still that feeling like, you know, we we still have so much more to do. We got to keep selling ourselves. Um, but being prepared to do that, um, as prepared as you could have been, what steps did you take? <laughs> um. I will be honest and don't do this the way I did, but I didn't prepare. <laughs> I just like, <laughs> this is kind of ha- a little bit how I am. And this is not really, it, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. But I, I think I had been working full time at a studio for so many years. And then I had my sort of one and a half year stint at another place where I, I was just bursting out of there to come back to what I love to do, that there was just something where I was like, I'm just going to throw it out. I'm just going to rip the bandaid. Um, Mm. and I I can't remember like what the hell I was thinking, like financially, why I would do that because I am a freaky person (laughs) about that kind of stuff. Like I, Uh I like, don't like to not know what I'm doing next. And like, I, I, I'm not good at that. So it is very uh, honestly a little bit out of character for me to have done it that way. But I think um, I think I was prepared in my I had enough confidence. I had been like I said, I had that foundation where I had been doing this work for like five years. And I felt like I, I knew what I was doing, that if if it didn't work out, I could always like scamper back somewhere and like find, yeah. you know, like yeah. get a full time job somewhere. Um, right. But to me, I was this is me like giving my I probably gave myself, you know, like a month to book a job. I think that's probably what I told mm-hmm. myself, like, just give yourself a month to throw your name out there and see if somebody will bring you in because I, and I have the luxury too of of being in Los Angeles where I was a weird, that was weird for me to have a full-time gig and to have worked my way up. Most of the people that I knew Mm -hmm. that I went to school with or that also did motion graphics, they were freelancers. It was like, they were like, Whoa, you have a full-time gig and you worked your way up. It was very uncommon. So maybe there was some part of me too that felt some comfort in knowing that most people in in the business that that I knew in my in my circle were freelancers and were were making it somehow, but I'm sure if Will hadn't reached out to me or if, you know I would have freaked out very quickly. <laughs> you know I wouldn't mm-hmm. have I wouldn't have you know flown in the wind for for you know I didn't have money saved up for three months or six months or whatever to to right. let that happen. That, that's just. But at that time in your life, were you at a point where 
you had a bunch of people dependent on you financially or any of that? Were you were you single? Because I feel like depending on where you are, yeah, where, that's you know, like one. if you're married with a family and a bunch of kids or something, like that's a higher risk. Oh. Yeah. You know, if I were like single or something and 23 years old, I think I would feel a lot better about hopping off that free in that freelance life. Yeah. 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 I was I was very uh, lucky to not have dependents and to Mm -hmm. I mean, I had bills, you know, I had my gargantuan (laughs) student loans. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'd like Uh, private art school in Southern California doesn't pay for itself. But um, yeah. But I was very lucky in that sense where I, I didn't have that situation where I had to keep feeding my family and, and a roof over everybody's head, you know, a roof over mm-hmm. my head and those bills paid was my um, main objective. And I was 20, I think I was 28 when I went mm-hmm. uh, freelance. So, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I'm like a late bloomer too. Like to me, like or that, that was the right so. time. That was the right time for me, you know. I, yeah. But I, like I said, I meet I meet people. I met some kids that uh, like a week ago that went to Otis, and one of them like she's already freelancing, and she's like yeah. really her work's the thing really is, good. Like, just you depends. also have to keep in mind, like you know, where the three of us, the time in which the three of us grew up. The same thing you're talking about earlier. There was no tutorials online on YouTube to try yeah. and figure it out. You yeah. know, you just had to, you just had to jump in. And if you didn't have the time to jump in and spend the time work you know, to to figure it out, you know, it, it's like what the advantages that the younger kids, the younger, the, the younger the generation, kids these days, the, kids these the days, youths, you know, yeah, the youth, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, fellow youth. Yes. Um, <laughs> But uh, uh, the advantage that they have is that they're able to just hop on YouTube and, you know, watch some of the tutorials that we've even done, mm-hmm. you know, to try and figure it out. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I, I think so many of them are able to jump in a lot sooner than we were when we were yeah. you know, that age. Yeah. Because oh, you want to figure out this MoGraph thing? You got to sit there for five hours and just right. figure it out. Exactly. There's no Googling. Like, but, if I wanted to yeah. f- figure out motion tracking or whatever, or, or even green screen. I didn't know how to do green screen <laughs> out of college, yeah. you know? It's like, ah, oh, and, and, you know, you, you had to rely on Andrew Kramer to teach you everything. My man. My man. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's, if uh, Andrew yeah. Kramer didn't teach it to you, you didn't know how to do it. Yes. Right. But that's the thing. I think it's also that it's a double-edged sword because I think because of that, there's this expectation that you're supposed to be this very like high level, high concept, Mm -hmm. like that you can Mm -hmm. do all these things because you have those things accessible to you. But it takes time. It takes time to build up a skill set and, and you can see it like, you know, like someone who's, who's learning you know, is at the beginning and is doing things that are very student there's it's student work, but you can see the potential in it. It's still, it's still, you know, the same world in a lot of ways, but you can learn those technical skills quit more quickly if Mm -hmm. you have, but then there's also the, 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 the money barrier though. And blender I think is a great thing for this that, you know, I don't use blender, but if I was starting out, I would certainly give it a really hard look. Um, but, but the hardware is very expensive still. So that's, Mm -hmm. I really preach like, and because this is me, like I, I don't, I want people to know, especially people starting out or like the render engines and the, like making things look so like that's, that's really fun. It is really fun. I started using Octane a a year and a half ago. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I, you don't need it 
to make really awesome stuff. You don't need nope. all the bells and whistles. And I don't want anybody to ever feel like they're held back by that. Like, I, we'll talk about the show that I, I worked on, but like more, I don't know, like 85% of that show is like standard render, physical render. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. We have some like some tent pole shots where it's like we wanted this really realistic lighting and things like that, but a great deal of it was like, I need really fast renders because I don't have time. I don't have a big fancy render farm. Like, and yeah. so it was, but it all looked, it all looked great, you know? And it, it was because of the, the, the core of it was the, the, the eye, the creativity, the story pushing the story and not necessarily what the render was and the bloom and the reflections and, yeah. you know, all that. Or plugins. I, yeah. I, I just kind of like that with plugins too. It's like, totally. Well, why doesn't my stuff look good? I have all the plugins. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. And, and we've worked with people like that before too, where it's like they're so into plugins. They're so overly into plugins that it's like, you know, what's going to happen when you have to do something by, you know, by, by hand, when you're going to have to keyframe yeah. something by hand or yeah. create something on a different computer and you don't have all your plugins installed, I think it's dangerous mm -hmm. to get too, too reliant yeah, on those. It can be. It yeah. Can be. Uh, yeah. And yeah, just stepping back and just, it's about the art and whatever's fast. I think you can really lose the art in the technical. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But the technical is very fun too. To just <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> Yeah. And there's people who are super technical and there's people who are super artistic. And I think that's the biggest thing. And especially, you know, coming back again to that conversation earlier about the audience, there, there are people who all they want to do is just study sh like shots and colors and why somebody used this focal length of a lens and all of that. And that's wonderful stuff. And that's stuff that you need to know. Mm -hmm. But, uh, then maybe they don't know the technical side. Then there's people who know the technical side really well, and they could almost, you know, I, I would say I fall into that category for sure. Mm -hmm. I can take a render and technically match what somebody is doing technically, mm -hmm. but if you ask me to do something like that from scratch, I, I, I have that thing, you, you open up the blank Cinema 4D, <laughs> yeah. and you put a cube Panic. in, and then it's like, okay, <laughs> I don't know what to do now. Yeah. There's room for, there is a need and room for everybody's different ways of approaching creative problems mm -hmm. and being, and that's, and that's the thing too about normally like, like filmmaking and, and animation, it's such a collaborative process. You know, there's people, I remember, this is another thing that like, I remember in, at CalArts when I was like, do I want to go work? and do visual effects or do I want to, and it's, and then I realized I was like, Oh, there's somebody at Pixar that like, they just do bubbles. Like that's their thing. Or yeah. like they just do water sims and they, mm -hmm. and like, first of all, that's freaking cool. Like, <laughs> and it's a, it's this science and creativity. It's like this, like, it's amazing. But I was like, that is never going to be me. Like, and I'm never going to fit yeah. into a pipeline in that, in that way. Um, mm -hmm. cause it's just not what I want to do. It's not why I think I was made. However, yeah. I'm made, <laughs> but, um, you know, we all, it's, I, I rely on people to, to, you have to remember that like to really make something good, you need to rely on other people if it's going to be the best thing, especially mm -hmm. on a, for bigger mm -hmm. projects. And like, I'm working yeah. on a project now where like I have amazing asset modelers that I just, I'm like, here, here's a picture. And then like two days later, he freaking, he modeled it. He modeled this yeah. very intricate thing, like from a photo. And I'm like, oh my God, you're, you're brilliant. And then another guy <laughs> I worked with who modeled, um, 
for Greatness Code, this guy modeled um, busts of mm-hmm. the, the subjects uh, from photos, yeah. not from like, oh, here's these beautiful Man. series of photos and you can make it, it's a, you know, right. you can make it into a model and then clean up. No, he just, I'm like, here's some Google images photos. And he would turn around some yeah. like, really great busts that look like these people. And I was, wow. I could never do that. I could never do that. And then if mm-hmm. that wasn't in the piece that I did, the piece wouldn't have the same identity and it wouldn't have the same impact. And, you know, so the, the trick comes though, when, when you want to be the person that to do it all, which I have the tendency yeah. to can be that way sometimes where I'm like, I want to, you know, concept to completion and I want to have my hand in it in some way mm-hmm. and letting go of that and trusting your communication skills and trusting your so team members. Yeah. It's so hard to give up. It's uh, especially when like some of the stuff, like we're working on a big project right now and we've had to hire like five or six freelancers in order to help us out. And like, we're passing off some of the work that I really wanted to do myself, Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. cause it's cool work, but it's like, all right, we just got to get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it's, yeah, there's some of them where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm working on a bunch of things too in other you know, other projects and, and other MoGraph related things. And it's like come across these things that I could do in the, on that project that Matt's got. And I'm like, Oh man, I really want to work on that. I'm going to try and get it. In. And then it, I'm having trouble yeah. getting to it. Yes. And it's like yeah. the only reason I'm, I'm really wanting to get to this is because it looks fun, Yeah, but I need to learn to just let it go and let someone else do it. If it has to do with, the pipeline. Yeah. You it, know? Yeah. I was able to squeeze in like one fun project. You know, I mean, the, all the things that we're doing are fun for the most part. Yeah. You know, but this other one was very different than everything else that we're doing. It was for another client. And I was able to squeeze in like a couple hours at like nine o'clock last <laughs> night, you know. And I was like, wow, this is this is refreshing. Okay, I'm liking this. This is different, you know. And I don't know. It was cool. It was very cool. I'm curious what you think about, like, in sports graphics. I don't know what it was because I, I was working on quite a few logos mm-hmm. at, the other day. And there's something so enjoyable about it to me. And I, it almost, to me, feels like doing sports logos, like really intricate ones, appeal more to people who like to do architectural renderings. Yeah. Because it's like you're engineering something. It's like you're building some like a piece of something, like some sort of a piece of gear, or or mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it. You know, you go and you're putting in like grids and pieces of metal and bolts and mm-hmm. uh, like neon lights and all of that, and making it real intricate. There's something satisfying from an architectural standpoint. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. <laughs> and you know, it's it's really interesting like my the 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 span of like the the sports work that I've done and I think a lot of people at the beginning when I first started doing sports stuff because I was so not 3D uh mm-hmm. it actually was a benefit because I think some of the stuff I was pitching was very refreshing to to some of the teams that I wasn't pitching big beautiful 3D I'm going to answer what you're saying though, because you're totally right, Dave, but, but now it's like, now it's more sophisticated. I think the conversations, um, around like visuals and what is sports visuals and it's so tied in with pop culture and, yeah. and, and the teams want to connect with more and more fans and it, it needs to feel elevated. But, but to answer what you're saying, you're totally right. Like on a granular level and like the, the visual language of sports design, it's like, it's not 
Um, it doesn't have this emptiness, which I'm sorry to brands, but like we love brands, but <laughs> something that is a team logo has this kind of like, it's like your coat of arms. It's like yeah. something very personal, mm -hmm. something that you has yeah. an emotional thing that all these fans are connecting to. It has this kind of like purity to it. And like, you want to instill this sense of like, this is a real thing. It's larger than life. It's tangible. It's alive. It's, you know, you want to Im imbue all these, is that a word? Um, all of these mm -hmm. qualities onto this the symbol because it, it means something really huge and really deep and it connects instantly with this fan base. Um, yeah. and it, it is a really great design, problem or design, you know, <laughs> exercise to, mm -hmm. to respect that, to elevate it, but also maybe to play with it, to tweak it. An interesting thing like that I've brushed up against is like teams like really don't like to, um, bring their mascots to life much or to like, bring, like it has to, there's this reverence. It's almost like this holiness, like mm -hmm. yeah. don't, and obviously you don't want to like make some cartoony weird thing, but like. <laughs> Anytime you dance with that, or you get even close to like bringing something to life in that way. It's like, no, no, we never, we never do that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's this holy <laughs> thing and it must be, you know, it's like a statue. It can't, you know, mm -hmm. come to life. That would be weird. Um, it'd be like animating a religious figure or something <laughs> like you just don't yeah. do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's the, the, I, I haven't found like a really succinct way to describe why like, um, the sport, like the sports are such a fertile ground. Um, like for me personally, as an artist, um, it's like, I always try and say, it's like, oh, there's, it is connected to pop culture. Like I said, it's connected mm -hmm. to, there's an instant sort of affinity that you have built in for the work you're doing and this, this desire to, for fans to be closer to the team. Mm -hmm. Like if you're making like an Apple commercial, it's about selling a product. You know, it's not like I want to be closer to Apple. Like I want to be, I want right. to be, you know, closer to the people that make the phones. It's like, it's, it's, it's different thing where it's like, you're trying to make everyone feel closer and more connected and more, you're a part of the team and you're, you're hyped and like. You know, we're mm -hmm. all trying to be like Drake on the sidelines of the Raptors. Like he's, <laughs> he got a ring. He's part of the team We're like, it's uh -huh. that level of like connection that you're always going for, which is, I think, very fertile creative ground to, to jump from is that because that's what all art is. It's like this communication and connection. But the spirit of sports connection is like triumph and heart mm -hmm. and winning and togetherness and all these like really pure wonderful yeah. things so sorry i got very what's, uh what, no you're ethereal fine. <laughs> on you. what's what's interesting <laughs> is um and this will like kind of push us into another topic what's interesting is if you look back in like sports specifically like say you're watching a football game back in the 80s right the motion graphics that they have were maybe an introduction and then yeah. just the text on screen of the scoreboard. You yeah. know, right. I'm not sure if they had these like transitions, you know, and the wipes and stuff like that. And it's like now, now mm -hmm. there's a, a, an absolute explosion in interactivity as well yeah. as just, you know, on screen stuff. And that, that kind of brings me to the famous group and what uh, uh, you've been doing with them, because if you check out the, the, the website, uh, thefamousgroup.com, that's you are. What's your position there again? I am the chief creative officer. 
Yes. So, <laughs> and that's got to be, if you look at the stuff that y'all are doing over there, it's so much more w- like what you were talking about, where you are bringing uh, that one-on-oneness to, uh, and, and just like amplifying the interactivity between the the sport that people are watching and the people who are watching it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really unique space to work in like in 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 some sense um especially now that we're getting and we can this is like a whole other topic but bringing in obviously mixed reality augmented reality Mm -hmm. mobile apps like that that's the new frontiers but before that you know when we were creating open videos um the delivery we would deliver a you know a 1080 video a, a 60 mm-hmm. second open but we'd also be delivering like all the leds all that we're thinking about what else is happening around this yeah. stadium or this arena it's just yes you're like yeah. enthralled by the jumbotron and what's playing in the music and but it's this wider canvas and it's playing for a live audience which mm-hmm. is really unique um and then it's like concert visuals, like where, where you have to think yeah. about what the lights are doing, yeah. what the other LED walls are doing, light strips, all of that, yeah. and how it plays into it's it. It's this yeah. 360 experience. Um, and so things, things that you might think would work for like a commercial spot might not work for an open video. Um, right. And then right, we, right. and then we started getting into projection mapping, which, um, yeah. you know, on the court, on the ice, on the football field. Um, mm-hmm. and that's sort of like, perspective tricks and and bringing this uh element of magic and this kind of like yeah. you know almost Cirque du Soleil feeling of like whoa the things are falling through the ground and like yeah. bringing all this like performance aspect and making it really um not only something that is engaging but like super entertaining and su- like makes you want to come there to see it like oh you yeah. have to make sure and get there on time to see this particular thing yeah and right. As a, as a, a, like, I loved music. Like, part of my, one of my dreams, besides being an artist, was to be a musician. And I, like, I play the drums. I always dreamed of being on stage. But I feel like I achieved it. Like, there's been a couple times, oftentimes I'm not there to see my work in the stadium because it's on the other side of the country or whatever. But mm-hmm. the times yeah. that I've been there, like, I was at the Final Four a few years ago when we did Projection Mapped Open. And that's a football stadium full of people. Uh, mm-hmm. And they're college students mostly, so they are very hyped. I mean, you could like do we could right. blow a kazoo and they would be hyped. But <laughs> <laughs> um, the the open played and the whole stadium went bat crap. Like right. they they freaked <laughs> out and they were screaming and shit. Like they got super. And I was like hearing it and I'm like sitting in my little like cubicle, like having worked on this for you know six eight weeks. And and it was like just an amazing moment of you know full circle and like wow my job is really awesome and like this is really worthwhile all this all this hard work and everything um so seeing anyway getting back to the famous group though seeing work in that space creating work in that space is truly unique um and it and now it's exploded as you said matt into uh different Mm -hmm. ways of using technology to do those types of visuals in the stadium and then finding a way to connect with people outside people that, uh, can't be there in person. Cause it's a very like exclusive thing. Tickets are expensive. You're not in the city. Um, not everybody gets to experience that. So I think one of the frontiers that we're thinking about at famous a lot is like, how do we bring this experience to 
everybody and make it less yeah. exclusive and have it yeah. live in this sort of multiverse or, you know, it, yes, the in arena experience, the in stadium experience, but what next, you know, it's, it's gotta, mm-hmm. it's gotta be more, it's gotta live beyond. Isn't it funny how like you, a lot of times now you, you don't, if you've done a lot of work in MoGraph, you don't get to see everything when it actually plays you know (laughs) there's a lot of friends who are like oh i put this i do this thing for uh like i don't know times square billboards of times square and all that (laughs) did you get to see it no 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 i didn't it's like or if it's you're like across my mom. the country and it's like I did this for Times Square. Can someone who lives in New York go take video <laughs> yeah. for me? And they're like, yeah. I'm not going you know, to Times Square. <laughs> right? Yeah. My mom is always like, I'll be like, she's like, what are you working on this week? I'm like, oh, it's some you know VFX thing for some commercial or whatever. And like the next week she'll be like, well, did you get to see your your v- VFX on TV? I'm like, no, no. Yeah. Well, why not? You should go find. I'm like. Eh. <laughs> I don't have like, time. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen it. I've you seen just kind of get used to it. I've lived it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've probably seen in person that kind of work maybe two or three times, like three mm-hmm. jobs maybe out of so, so many. Um, the NBA all-star game was another job that I, that I got to do as a freelancer where we did, we did visuals for the halftime performance and I got to work on sting was the halftime performer in Toronto at the all-star game a few years ago. And I got to do the, I got to work on the whole thing and we got to watch him rehearse. Like, so it's an empty bowl closed rehearsal. So a totally empty arena and I mm, never do yeah. this. I'm usually like hiding in the back, but like I was like, I worked so hard on this. Like I stood like, like in the middle. Sting! No, Sting! Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say hi to Sting. I maintained my professionalism, but I did stand like right, almost right in the middle of the basketball court and just like uh-huh. watched. Like I was like arms folded, watching like a private Sting concert with the visuals that I had done behind yeah, it. That's it was awesome. like again another like big like holy crap kind of moment in this i would have never guessed like if you had gone back to me as a little person you know at ohio university or cal arts and been like you're gonna stand there and watch your graphics on the sting performance i've been like what are you talking about i don't even (laughs) know what that means actually i mean i know who sting is but what's (laughs) what's concert visuals or whatever right yeah but um Um, so go ahead so i was gonna say with uh some of the the stuff that you're doing at the famous group um y'all are y'all are doing a lot of this like uh i want to say it's it's motion tracking but it's not really motion tracking it's like you're adding a whole nother layer within the 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 video you know um and i i i i feel like this is becoming a big thing lately like my kid loves the mask singer and i've he makes me watch it every week and (laughs) especially because of covid like there's been this whole, oh, let's add Unreal Engine, let's add these elements in it, you know, track the camera, bring it into mm-hmm. the space. And at times you're like, I don't know whether this is actually happening or whether this is fake. Yes. You know? Yeah. So our yeah. our big, um, famous group's big foray into, and there's a lot of like umbrella terms, and but the what I, or we've settled upon as the umbrella term for augmented reality, virtual reality, extended reality, all the realities is mixed reality. Um, so don't, nobody, you know, ping me if I, you know, don't say the right type of reality because it's a little gray (laughs) sometimes, but we did, um, this, uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, 
We did mm-hmm. this project for them where we had a, a, a mixed reality raven fly into the stadium. Uh, it's incredible. And, la- and it it's like, you know, the size of like a pterodactyl. It's enormous. Right. And um, it it blew people's minds. It was so photo real and the lighting. We, we did uh-huh. a LiDAR scan of the whole, you know, stadium, um, did this beautiful bird animation and model, lit it really well. Like so realistic lighting was a nighttime shot. So it comes off from, from off screen, from the dark into the light, swoops around the whole stadium and, and lands. It was so simple. Story-wise, it's very simple. But it in that simplicity and in the fine details of doing it really well, um, it people did not understand what was happening. It was a live this yeah. was like a live performance and it was kind of like it, it was very exciting because it was up to the cameraman to um, or woman to get um, get the bird in frame, you know, live yeah. because it's it's playing an unreal. But that that it's a real camera that someone is having to follow this bird around the, the uh-huh. stadium and, and have and have everything hit right, like just like a live performance. Yeah. Um, so, so is the camera is is the camera person able to see what's going on they can see it in their monitor like on their camera okay yeah they can see it Man, there is... they have the feed you know of the married and raven how do y'all how it's do like they're on a virtual production stage yeah like is it it, it it is actually is it like tracking the background and tracking the camera pardon yeah. me because i don't know any of the mixed reality <laughs> stuff it's i to me it's it's absolutely it, it's so mind-blowing that this stuff can even happen. Yes. It, yeah. you know? It's such a, it's such a wonderful new frontier and the most, I think the most exciting creative work is, is still yet to be done. I mean, there's some really incredible work that everybody's doing, mm-hmm. but it's so this idea of putting video game engines in the hands of, um, visual effects artists, MoGraph artists, mm-hmm. um, and, and they can make beautiful real time rendered images. Cause it, there used to be just so many limitations, right? It's like, you have to make everything flat and there's all this technical stuff, which you still have to do in unreal to make it very lean and optimized. That's, that is right. the tricky thing about making this transition. But I will say that that unreal engine has made it this, this huge leap of like, this is in the hands, like I said, same with cinema 4d, um, where it's mm-hmm. like, it puts it in the hands of, of creative people in a way that it, and it, it le- less, it, you don't need to have the creative people are in this room. The technical people are in this room and they like never talk to each other. And it's like, it, the, it's these separations are getting smaller and smaller in this world. But, um, mm-hmm. but you were asking about like how it's done, but th- the most simple way to describe it is like you create, um, everything in unreal engine, you create everything in 3d, you have an actual scan of the stadium to scale and you create your animation, you create your lighting, and then you have a, a tracker head on your camera, um, that is telling the virtual, uh, scene, the virtual camera, it's matching it, right? So you have a live mm-hmm. feed like and a is. perfectly matched virtual camera and they marry together. And, mm-hmm. and so wherever that, that stipe head or Moses, there's other, there's a bunch of, there's manufacturers that make these tracking heads that attach to the camera. And then there's dots. There's a lot of technical stuff, but just the ones where they like point up to the ceiling. Right. And then the ceiling has like some infrared markers or something on it. Yeah. There's different ways of doing the actual tracking, but the, the, Mm -hmm. the most essential thing is that you, you have a camera that is giving you positional data, um, that can speak to 
your real-time 3D render engine and they can get and be married in real time, you know, mm-hmm. for it to... It's man. expensive AR is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. on a huge... Yeah, just on the scale of it too, you know, when you have it yeah. on a, a really huge scale and you need the lighting to, to, to match and um, it's... Um, it is it is a big technical undertaking, but the, the the possibilities of it of the storytelling and having things you know spilling out onto your stage and and living live in your scene, the magic of that um, being somebody there. Uh, I wasn't at the Ravens activation when they did it, but it was you know everybody in the stadium was freaking out. It was on ESPN. It was on Sports Seeing Illustrated. The video, like, yeah, it looks real. Yes, it, lo- it looks real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and people like yeah. it, it was on in the news. You know, got all this like earned media because it was like what the heck? Like it 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 was some kind of you know magic and mm-hmm. um you know and the thing that that. We're, we're trying to push that now and, and like, what else? Because that was really just the beginning, mm-hmm. the storytelling uh, opportunities for this and the interactivity. Um, and the other thing, too, it's like when, you, when you've created all of these assets, you now have this, like, beautiful game-ready, like, Raven or, or yeah. game-ready thing. And, like, what can you use that with? Can you use that in mobile AR now? Can you bring it home with you? Mm-hmm. Can you have some sort of thing where it's – or a web experience, you know, where you do a virtual experience online? Um, you know, th- there's – because you have these assets now and you're, you're world building, um, mm-hmm. you, there's no reason for you to leave it in the stadium. You can take it with you and tell stories all throughout your universe, your fandom, wherever they may be. Um, mm-hmm. It's really fun. And it's... Once AR gets big and, and it's, it's less about like having the gear locally mm-hmm. to do that, it's like it just... If it's in the mainstream, where like okay, obviously everybody has AR glasses, then it's like you can. That's going to be really fun because then you can feed these live experiences to these people. They'll be able to see it like from whatever their angle is. You know, I can't even imagine where that's going to go. Yeah. But it seems like that a sports experience in that aspect is going to kind of flow into that. Can you imagine you go to a game and you can just see the field and you can see like the markers and everything on the field and the score yeah. can just come up right in front of you, you know, like a lower third, just sitting in front of your seat and you yeah. know, the type of thing you did, like with the, the fly in, I mean, that can just happen. And mm-hmm. from where everybody is, they'll be able to see it. It's, it's going to happen. It is going to yeah. happen. My joke yeah. with uh, my colleagues the other day was like, you know, there was a video that Vice did about a gentleman who kept this and keeps up this really old motion graphics device. I'll have to remember it. I'll find it and like put mm-hmm. it in the chat. But you know, this is like I, think I know which one. Yeah, he about. like I, can't, I wish yeah. I could remember. This guy was amazing. It's like a huge machine that would make motion graphics. You know, yeah. uh, and I was I was joking with my colleagues. I was like, guys, this is. This is going to be us when we talk about our like computers and our render engines and they have their, their yeah. contacts that do like quantum computing and they, you know, they can see AR with their contact lens or, or retinal mm-hmm. implant or whatever. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that is where everything will head for better or for worse, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's uh, sure. meet the engineer preserving the last analog motion graphics device. Yes. Is that yeah. what it is? Yes. Yeah. Go and watch. Yeah. Love yeah. him. Ugh. I, yeah. I just, I love guys like that. I met, you know, I, if you went to film school or like, there's always a guy like that who's maintaining 
you know, the steam beck or the, you know, the uh -huh. down shooter kind of those great analog machines, which you just can't replicate ever. Um, yeah. I hope the three quarter inch deck. Yes. There's one guy who still knows how to use it. Yeah. That's right. Beta. Beta. Yeah. Freaking beta. <laughs> Um, and beta cam SP and beta cam oh digibeta oh digibeta and, yeah. oh that's like yeah. a ten thousand dollar machine that right? does digibeta more than that I don't I still have a beta cam deck that was original MSRP of like seventy five eighty thousand dollars yeah I, I bought one on eBay for two hundred and fifty bucks because I was gonna try and do some freelance work with it and then yeah just ended up throwing it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember the tape room at, at New Wave. Everything had to go to tape, and it's really nice now. It is. I <laughs> I don't miss any of that stuff. There is some like great the analog, you know, workflows and and film, and I still really love film. But God, I, ever since I was a kid, there was something to me magical about like computers and making art with mm -hmm. computers. Um, yeah. I was like never ashamed about that really. It was like I needed even like a camera. A camera is like this device that helps you make images and mm -hmm. same with computers like that, you know, I just love those those kinds of tools and, and things like that. And I don't know, I lean into learning new stuff like I was I was I was messaging you guys like learning, learning unreal like is daunting and like learning mm -hmm. new workflows and and in different ways of making imagery or even new ways of like what storytelling is, you know, like everything, like questioning everything, like linear storytelling, right? Like I'm going to render you a video from yeah. start to finish. I choose the camera angles. I choose everything like in a way like that is, is maybe going to be antiquated. I hope not because I love films yeah. and I love, but could it be antiquated or could it be something that, you know, kids right. who are young and coming up now and so much of their media is almost like games or metaverse or Fortnite, like where mm -hmm. if they're going to have a story told yeah. to them, it needs to be in the metaverse when the story is told. And, um, yeah, th there's a part of the, me, the Fortnite thing that the, the track, like the Travis Scott concert, right? Yeah. If you, if you ask any individual person about their right experience watching going. that Fortnite concert, each person's going to tell you something different because they all had a different viewpoint yeah. of what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like this very, that is sort of like the culture is very like my, we're all the the lead character in our little game and like what I saw and what I'm interested in and having these very bespoke experiences. It's just like, it's mind blowing. And it, the, the, the fuddy duddy in me, you know, the, the old person is like, no, <laughs> like the, there should be authorship and like, there should be this person yeah. who's like giving you this experience. And I, I don't think that I'll ever just like go away. But I do, I do like to marvel at it and like what those possibilities are and what, you know, and also how can I be a part of it is the tricky thing too. Like I said, like right. learning, trying to keep my, my beginner's mind. I always like to talk about like how, how great it is to approach things as a beginner and to learn a new thing and how unpretentious you can be when you're learning something. Um, like yeah. I was, I'm taking, you know slowly because it's work is so crazy but Winbush's unreal class i can't recommend highly enough uh, he's so great especially if you're nice. coming from the mograph world but um but thinking about things in that space and what's possible like i'm like i want to make a vr experience like i 
yeah, I, I can do that now. I could. Do, it might be weird and like bad, but I I can do it <laughs> now. Like I I have the technology. Right. You know, I downloaded Unreal for free, and I can play with it and make these experiments. It's just, I don't know. I think it's um, it's it's just an exciting time to be making the types of work that that we make. Um, but it's also, it's also hard because there's so many different directions to go. There's so many skills to learn. I think it could probably be also very overwhelming, you know, all of our, for sure. all of our conversations about renders and gear. And, um, it's like, it feels, it can be overwhelming even for me. Like I just have to sort of be like, ah, you know, compartmentalize. This is what I'm going to do. I thought about <laughs> earlier in the year, I was like, maybe I should go back and learn Maya because assets from Maya, like they play nicer, you know, like maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe I need to, and (laughs) one of the people I work with is like, Lauren, don't, don't, don't go back and learn. I mean, if you really want to do it, but you need to just let the, let the experts do their thing. You don't have to sit there and make beautiful, beautiful models in, in Maya and and that kind of stuff. But substance painter is really cool. I don't know if you guys are. Oh yeah. My God. Yeah. For sure. Photoshop for textures. Like Mm -hmm. it basically is. Yeah, and and I I try and get into it. I go through these bouts where I get into it a little bit, and then I have to move on to something else. But it's just well, another one is another thing to learn. Yep. So yeah, I know, like you do, just, that we all have to be patient with ourselves, and you know, just like <laughs> try things where you can't. I I I learned Octane in the middle of a project. So the Greatness Code, the TV show that I I worked on. Like I said, a lot of it, especially from my computer, I just didn't have the machine. We didn't have like a render farm. I was just doing stuff on my iMac Pro and needed mm-hmm. everything to be really lean. And then, but we had an artist, Vinny Thomas, who is an amazing 3D artist and he works in Octane. And when he started the job, he's like, can I work in Octane? And I was like, and he has his own machine beefed up. And I was like, yes. Um, because I was like, let's have some of these really slick, you know, kind of very realistically rendered, um, shots in this. And he, he did a great job and did beautiful shots for the show. And then towards the end, like when it, it was me having to work on a lot of, um, shots, I was like, I'm going to try it. And I just like bought, well, I actually had to buy a new computer for myself. That's a whole other Hmm. thing. Cause I was a Mac person, um, my entire life since I was 10 years old. Like I've, I've used a Mac and loved using a Mac. And so I just, in the middle of a project was like, I'm switching to PC. <laughs> I'm learning Octane. Like I just like, just dive right I in. Did, you know, and it was the best thing. Best way. Yeah, it mm-hmm. really was like, rather than, you know, just messing around. I was like, here's the shot. I know what I want to do in this shot. Now I'm going to figure it out. And then, yeah. you know, ask Vinny if I get into trouble. <laughs> yeah. It's good to have somebody who knows, yeah. you know, we, yeah. we've worked on some projects over the years at other companies before we're doing what we're doing now. And they had <clears throat> octane and it was kind of like it. I kind of already knew octane with the people coming in. Didn't. It was the same thing. They were learning octane while they were jumping in. It's so good to have someone, not just octane, but like cinema 4d after effects whatever it is somebody that really knows the thing you're jumping into mm-hmm. and it's especially great like if you're working somewhere yeah where there's yep. someone just right there and be like mm-hmm. hey how do i how do i do that thing because they can tell you and like and you have to bug them a lot but you know they can tell you that thing in like two seconds that yeah. you have to sit there googling for like 30 minutes yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, that's easy. You just hit this button. Have you, even though, day. like, have you have you guys had like the internet go out while you're like deep in a project, and then realize how many times you look up how to do stuff that you <laughs> yeah. like, you think you know how to do it. I'm like, wait, yeah. how do I do that thing? I'm constantly looking like at YouTube videos and stuff to do my job, <clears throat> even though I consider <clears throat> myself to be a pretty, you know, good. <laughs> yeah. I never like calling myself an expert, but like I, I can work at a high level, but like I got to Google stuff all the time. All the time. Oh, and, yeah. You know, so it's an art in itself. Yeah. It knowing how to Google to get what you got to get done, you know, yeah. and that applies for just like, Every job at this point. Hopefully, yeah. not if you're a surgeon or a doctor. But <laughs> how do I how do the to surgery? Perform heart surgery. <laughs> what render engine to perform yeah. heart surgery? Askjeeves.com. Yeah. Rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell us about greatness code. And I, now I've got to go run to the restroom. Yeah. I couldn't make it. I'm old. I'll be back. Yeah. But but right. y'all y'all start talking about greatness code. I'll be I back. just stay dehydrated. That's how I get get around all this. <laughs> Hi, my name is Sashia Dumont. I'm a writer, actor, and filmmaker. Hi, my name is Paul Robinson. I'm a director, DP, and filmmaker. We are the creators and hosts of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, an online source for all things indie film. We are a husband and wife film team and co-owners of Send3 Productions, and we started this podcast for filmmakers like ourselves who were producing on micro budgets with Skeleton Crews. Go Gorilla is a weekly podcast that features various talents in TV, film, and web series productions. We've interviewed filmmaker powerhouses like Kestrin Pantera, Richard Raymond, Alex Ferrari, Cassandra Ebner, and Ryan Connolly. Amazing actors like Hannah Ward, Lou Taylor Pucci, Chris Wataski, and Eileen Gruba. Groundbreaking cinematographers like Jody Lee Lipes, and Jessica Lee Gagne, and many more. We also offer weekly reviews of our favorite films and shows, which vary from low-budget first-time filmmakers to A-listers and everyone in between. Go Gorilla is proud to announce that we have officially joined the MoGraph Podcast Network. So if you love filmmaking as much as we do, tune in every Sunday for a new episode of the Go Gorilla Filmcast. Your, your source, source for, for all things indie film. film. Now available on the MoGraph Podcast Network. I've got I got a, like a super sore throat right now, so I'm like drinking way more than I probably need to. No, it's good for you. You should. Yeah. You got to hydrate everybody. That's my biggest lesson, even though I just said yeah. I stay dehydrated. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, Greatness Code was like my dream project. Uh, uh -huh. So years ago, I, I love documentary. That's like my I love documentary uh -huh. and I love animation seemingly disparate things mm. and I, I remember years ago i somebody asked me like what do you want to, what would be your dream thing to do if you could like pitch something mm -hmm. i was like i would pitch i'd love to do a sports doc that like mixes animation in and like you could there's like a blank look on his face he was just like well how would that work like what do you mean yeah. it's a documentary and i was like i don't know i don't know exactly but i think i could and and then so years after that i um was introduced to a really amazing director named gotham chopra and he um does he did uh, Muse, uh, the documentary about Kobe Bryant? He's done some mm -hmm. really amazing docs and is a really talented guy. And so I was very excited to be introduced to him. It, he needed a title sequence for his TV show about Tom Brady. And mm -hmm. at that time, I was freelancing and I was like, I don't really do title sequences anymore, but I will do this because it's a cool project and I really want to know this director. And mm -hmm. I did that title sequence and we hit it off and um, did a couple more things together. But then he came to me and said he had an idea for a show um, that would combine these sit down interviews 
with animation. And the, mm-hmm. the first one was with LeBron James, and he tells this really great story about the moment that he felt like he made it, like he he had it. Um, yeah. And the way he describes it, he uses all these metaphors. He talks about like how he felt nothing. Um, he's like, there's this big lead up. He's like, all this pressure, and I lost, and I'm, people are going to say that I'm not clutch, and all these things. And he's like, and I got there, and I felt nothing. He's like, I felt mm-hmm. absolutely nothing. It's like, holy shit, how do you... How do you illustrate that? And then like he's yeah. he's like I felt like and then when he finally made it he's like I felt like a master sommelier. You know, I could like mm-hmm. I could smell. I knew where those that's from those vines in that region. That's what I felt like and he just all these really weird cool metaphors and talking about what he went through. So Gotham was like this begs for animation to to illustrate mm-hmm. this. It's not a B-roll thing. Um so he he gave me this story and was like what do you think? What what would you do visually with this? And so I, I sort of worked up kind of like a pitch that I, I brought back and, and presented some ideas for how to approach the visuals and how to create sort of a, a line between many of these stories, not just his, but, um, and we, we worked together on that. And then it was basically like, okay, go, go make it, you know? And we, mm-hmm. I, I got to do the pilot. I hired some animators and, and we created this five minute pilot um, with the, his production company is called Religion of Sports. And um, they sold it. They sold it to Apple. And every step along the way, you guys, I was like, okay, any minute now, they're going to be like, all right, Lauren, thanks for the memories. Like, we're going to take this and, you know, get a real person to work on this. You know, in my mind, I was just like, just happy to be here. Just happy to be helping, you know, move it along. But then, Mm -hmm. so when it sold, they they came back to me and they're like, yes, we want to hire you to do the rest of the episodes we're going to do a full season with all these amazing athletes and we tom brady uh sean white alex morgan Mm -hmm. katie ledecky um there were how many episodes we do (laughs) uh eight episodes (laughs) and um they're short they're like episodes five to seven minutes they're short episodes which you know we wish they could have been longer but it was um Mm -hmm. in it it was fantastic. So I, it was me and two other animators, um, and Emily Eckstein and Vinnie Thomas um, were in the trenches with me. And like I said, um, Orlando Silva did all those busts um, mm-hmm. for each episode. But it was like a very lean, mean team, <laughs> and mm-hmm. the timeline was crazy. It was a lot. It was a lot of work, but um, we made this show, and it was like. It was a dream show. It was something I think that's really unique. I think there's there there is some there's a show on Netflix called Losers that was really good um, that that used animation and you know throughout the doc to sort of illustrate these stories of of athletes not winning, which is a really great mm-hmm. premise. But for for Greatness Code, it was about winning, but it was so much about their psyche. Like what what does it feel like to be Sean White and to be like get a perfect score or mm-hmm. to, you know like and they all had this sort of theme throughout them where they they're they're describing this feeling of being in the zone like that that they used various words to describe it but it's like this it's very zen you don't care you let go mm-hmm. I don't care what happens I was on Sean White was great he came prepared I think he practiced mm-hmm. for his interview because he had these great he <laughs> talked about like he was losing he wasn't doing well and he's going up the chairlift and he's like it was like Mordor it felt like you know so of course mm-hmm. we have a POV and like the snow melts and it's like a volcano <laughs> mountain as it's going up nice. the you know so there's all these great like visual metaphors to illustrate um but everybody's 
had their own unique way of sort of describing it um, and great metaphors, like I said, for us to bounce off of and make some kind of trippy visuals. And Mm -hmm. so my dream came true. That really was like my dream project to combine sports, doc and experimental animation and blend them together in this really, really unique way. And I, I still kind of can't believe it. It happened. Um, how, how long <laughs> did you have with each episode to animate? Each episode? Um, we had give or take like three weeks, I think. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. We, it was like, I would have never been able to do this project at the beginning of my career or the middle of my mm-hmm. career, I would have never been mm-hmm. able to do the project if I hadn't found the right people, the right really mm-hmm. talented animators to work with. There was like some magic chemistry there where everybody got it and everybody worked really harmoniously together. Um, mm-hmm. The edits that we had were really great. Our editor, Brady, made just these great stories. And for, he would take these interviews and there would be like black holes, you know? Mm-hmm. And we would talk. And sometimes I'd be like, can you just go to black there? I'm going to put something awesome there. Or I'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, can you stay on him longer? I don't know what to do there. Or, you know, we'd have this back and forth. But, but yeah, when, I t- when people watch the show and I tell them, you know, like, it really, this is why I like to hammer this home about like, it's not always about having the hugest team shit s tons of render farms uh mm-hmm. and tons of you know it's not always about that yes that is really nice and if we had that maybe some of our shots would have more realistic lighting or something like that but mm. um it really is about like what's the story that you're telling and is that the most important thing and and you know getting to that more quickly and you know and having shorter episodes that really helps too <laughs> we weren't making yeah, 30 minute say. episodes um, it was also it was pretty cool that they actually let you use some of this footage too. You know, a lot of companies will be like, "Oh, this is strictly NDA. You can't ever show that you did it." Um, you know. Oh yeah. It, it's nice that you were able to do that too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's to the benefit of everybody to know. I think like more about how these things are made. Like it's, it's different than, um, yeah. it's different than again, like advertising where there needs to be this kind of like mystery. And it's like, this all just came from Apple. Apple created this animation or, you know, it's like, this is the, the people who are telling the stories, the process, like everybody has something to gain from knowing more about that, I think. And, and, um, and opening doors to more people doing that kind of storytelling and having more work like that. Like it's, it's, it's such a unique, you know, I think for the producers of the show, this is like a really unique way of storytelling. It's something they want to be, let people know about, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, um, they took a risk, you know, doing this. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing. It was amazing. The feedback that we got too, from the athletes, like they loved it. You know, they, cool. they're, you would think because they're, these are all, these people are all worth many, many millions of dollars, have big brands, um, and it very well could have been that they came back and said, no, I don't like that. I would never use that color or something like, I think there yeah. was like this, you know, a lot of that I think had to do with, you know, Gotham has these great relationships and cultivates them and the conversations that he has and getting people to open up and share those stories. So there's a lot of trust there. So there's a lot of, you know, that's the, the ground from which to build. But, um, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, again, just so flabbergasted and excited that that happened and i want i just want to see like more uh work like that you know that's really mm-hmm. my goal and it does not not being done by me but being done by others blending genres um you know and going into spaces and making work where maybe you wouldn't 
think that would be made. Oh, I got a what up. I got a what up from Winbush. What up, what up? <laughs> there he is. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about this photo right here. Uh, are these real rings here? Those here. are uh, from Amazon.com, and they were like $20. Uh, oh, you can really? Buy, you can buy replicas awesome. of Tom Tom's rings, which he has more now. Um, yeah, there was a – I had this idea. So in Tom Brady's episode, he talks about – you would think one of his, because everybody kind of focuses it around their story around like one particular game or one moment. What's the moment mm-hmm. you knew? Right. And you would assume that Tom, having won many, many Super Bowls, would pick a Super Bowl, but he didn't. He chose to talk about this game against Buffalo, uh, where they absolutely like destroyed Buffalo in the game, mm-hmm. but they played a perfect game. You know, he's so he's such a football nerd that he's like, we were technically everything was perfect. And when he's oh, talking yeah. about, it, you can tell how joyful he is. So I thought the visual for this at the end to see Tom's hand, you know, and he talks about it, he's like, that's the unattainable thing. That's the thing I'm always trying to get back to. So the shot in the show is like you see this hand with all of these rings on it reaching 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 up right it's reaching towards the sky and opens up and then you see this ring that we made that is like a fake buffalo versus new england <laughs> ring that has the score you know and yeah. it's like rendered beautifully and rotating like his hand with all of these rings on it is reaching for this you know buffalo game That's ring so that doesn't good. exist so we bought those yeah. rings and i bought them at first i was like oh we can like scan them or have them be our base mm-hmm. models. Um, but I think Vinny ended up, Vinny did that shot. I think he ended up just sort of photographing them and using them as like normal maps or something. He did some sort that's of so funny that trickery. You buy replicas. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love that though. Like that, that, that story that you're telling me, that's, that's so cool. It's like, I, I don't know. I, I, I dig it. I dig it. Like, yeah. yeah, you, you would think that it would be just a Super Bowl or something like, right. But like the perfect game. Yes, like that's, it, it's like it's like a pitcher, you know, a pitcher wanting to throw a perfect game. It doesn't matter what game it is, you know, just wanting to throw that perfect game. Speaking it's of so cool. a, speaking of a no no, and this uh-huh. my inspiration, the one I always talk about is um, there's an animation called the LSD no no. Have mm-hmm. you guys seen it? Mm-mm. Um, Mm-mm. James, oh god, I'm gonna mess up his name. Hold on, um, I'm gonna Google it because I really. Want everybody watch this? So, um, Let's see if I can find Doc Ellis and the LSD no no. Yeah. Okay. Um, in this, you know, it's 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 animated illustrations. It's just, but Doc Ellis, James there's a recording Bla- of him. Blagan, Blagan. Yes, Blagden. Yes. Blagan. So, <laughs> Doc Ellis pitched a no hitter on LSD, and awesome. he tells the story. <laughs> the way he tells the story is so genius. Um, and then the way they brought it to life with these illustrations and this very, you know, rudimentary, but beautiful 2d animation, that was, that's my, that was like my North star, um, you know, as mm-hmm. far as like telling a story, because you see, you see in this piece that like Doc Ellis, you see him, there's, there's illustrations of him, but they're very like stylized <laughs> and there's a lot of just like trippy stuff happening, of course, because he's on LSD. Um, but that was that was the blueprint for me, even though greatness code looks nothing like uh, the mm-hmm. LSD. No, no, right. it's like that idea of how can you tell a story? How can you center? Yes. A real human being that really did something in reality, but like all, you know, human experience and our memories and how we tell stories, it gets, you know, it, there's so much fun stuff that can in, imbue the emotion of it and the, and put you right. there as a viewer to understand it better. 
um, rather than just like seeing seeing the footage of Doc Ellis high as a kite, you know, uh, mm-hmm. pitching, you know, which would be cool <laughs> too. <is> great. <laughs> but yeah, that's that is one of my most favorite <clears throat> pieces ever, actually. So now that you've done the 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 dream job what's what's the next yeah, dream job that's what i was <laughs> gonna ask too well there may be more of work in that vein coming um cool. but i you know there was like kind of a, a fork in the road for me where i finished greatness code and then um had this opportunity to come and work at famous group <clears throat> and i wanted to i'd been a freelancer for like seven or eight years and i just finished this project which was took it took the life out of me. It was like a you know I put my heart and soul into it and really enjoyed it, but but was like okay, what's next? I feel like I need to go to the next thing. And I had this opportunity to come on to famous in this in this leadership role, but also one thing that they said they were like we want you to continue to do the creative work that you're doing. We're not saying you need to step away or stop doing this direction. So I felt like oh I can have it all because. I want to keep doing this work, but right. there was a part of me after all these years of being a freelancer, I missed that connection and that feeling of building something. I, I, I didn't, I, I was starting to, I never really felt comfortable as a freelancer feeling like I was starting over every time I finished a job. I would mm-hmm. finish a job and then almost mm. immediately, like I couldn't relax. I went on vacation right after Greatness Code and I couldn't relax on my vacation because all I could think about was what am I doing next? What am I doing next? Right. You know, it's part of that's like yeah. part of that's just like being obsessive about work and just like being yeah. a little bit of a workaholic. I mean, that's the that's the freelancer mind. Where's the next the like. next Super Bowl ring? Yeah, right. you know? that's the like, <laughs> and that's the um, one might argue. Well, that's what great people do, or that you got to be focused on the next thing and you never rest. But I'm like, no, I want to rest. Like, I don't want to yeah. rest forever. But yeah, maybe like two weeks of like not being stressed out about work would be really cool. Right. Um, but. Anyway, I lost my train of thought, but I, um, I, I took, oh, I took on this job, um, in this position. Cause I was like, I'm, I miss that connection, long-term connection, building something, being a part of something bigger than myself and, um, and, and being a leader, helping to lead, you know, and, and, and open doors for people in ways that doors were open for me. Um, mm-hmm. I want to do more of that. So and, and I had this great relationship uh, with the famous group. I've done so much work with them over the years and really know them and, and trust them. And they know me and trust me. And they're going in and we are going in this new direction, doing new frontiers with technology and really investing heavily in, in doing work in mixed reality and in Unreal Engine. Um, that it was it felt like a big challenge to me. And that's kind of what I always look for. I'm like, what am I afraid of? What am I afraid to do? What makes yeah. me nervous? What makes me unsure if I can do it? And like over the years, my muscle or my instinct of like lean into that, whatever it is that like kind of makes you nervous and you're unsure, but you want to do mm-hmm. make sure and, and lean towards that. Um, mm-hmm. Because I feel like 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 that's how we felt when we did projection mapping. Yeah. Yeah. Because projection mapping is so cool, but it's also really hard to do like all the details right especially if you're the one not just creating the media but like designing the projection system and Mm -hmm. making sure everything's aligned and doing it's like that's so far out of the comfort zone but when it actually works it's uh, it's magical i thought Mm -hmm. when they asked me to do projection mapping the first time this is still where i'm like i'm not a 3d guy whatever um Mm -hmm. but this (laughs) 
projection mapping, like on the basketball court, you're doing 3D. It's going to be a 3D extravaganza. And like, mm-hmm. that was actually my real first like foray into doing a huge 3D project. And there is this like moment where you're like, I think this is going to work. Like, I think this force <laughs> perspective thing works. It seems to work right. when I render it out in After Effects and I simulate the camera angle and I'm looking down. But like, yeah. until it's actually on the court and you're standing in the arena yeah. watching yeah. it work, you're you're kind of terrified that's it's not gonna work we did a virtual set thing uh, a couple months ago and it was the same thing it was like you know the 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 floor especially the floor of the stage had to be rendered out from this extreme perspective in order for it to work straight Mm -hmm. on and it was all a guessing game we didn't even have measurements and there was it was so satisfying to get a photo back from the client and they say it's perfect lines up perfect yeah yeah Yeah. it was really funny because then they gave us measurements afterwards and i'm like "Eh, i'm not gonna bother it was perfect when when they sent it yeah, I had this whole thing uh, in the first projection mapping thing we did where I was like, oh, let's shoot the players from a high angle so it looks like they're standing underneath the court and looking up mm-hmm. from below, you know? Oh, yeah, and yeah. I did all these, like, calculations. I'm like, oh, we got to shoot mm-hmm. this height and da, 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 measuring their height, blah, blah, blah. And then we did a test, and, like, it was, like, kind of a shallow angle, and mm-hmm. I put it in, like put it in my computer and looked at it. I was like, that doesn't look right. I was like, can you just jack the ladder up? Just go like really high and like really point down. And we like didn't measure anything, pointed uh-huh. down, yeah. put that in. Okay, it looks perfect. It was like <laughs> yeah. my measuring and stuff was like a total waste. But, um, you know, you only learn those things by actually doing them. You got to yeah. just go f- go. The only way is through. Yep. <laughs> yep. The only way out is through. That's, that's for sure. That's my motto. Yeah. Um, I wanted to uh, get to some of the MoGraph recommend stuff, but I have a couple links first. Links, 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 links. There's actually a couple that I'm going to have to add to my notes here that I just thought of during the show. But uh, number one, I did want to talk about Jules's latest tweet mm-hmm. because he's talking about now about render uh, and nfts like render being able to to mint and I, I wanted you to check that out because it's it's interesting because even stuff that you haven't minted on the blockchain mm-hmm. can technically be minted or atta- attached to a i guess a smart contract, smart contract. so See, I, he's, he's put out a series of tweets yeah what's interesting is the render network is you know i, I mean it's all based around the same type of blockchain technology And, you know, in order to keep track of, like, who's rendering what and, you know, if render frames are bad, they, I I believe they uh, incorporate these smart contracts so they know which computers are rendering which frames, you know, which is really Mm -hmm. cool. And because of that, like, technically, all these frames that you're rendering when you're rendering on render technically are are NFTs already, you know? And what's what's right. I, I think the another tweet that Jules mentioned was, you know, talking about the environmental impact of NFTs and stuff. And he said, render, yeah. that's basically a thing of the past with render, which is yeah. amazing. He said, yeah. render instantly at no extra cost and environmental impact. Yeah. We'll mint a tradable ERC 721 NFT of anything on render. Assets, jobs, scenes, media, metadata, streams, software, etc., all exchangeable. Yeah. 
That's cool. NFT items on render, and now also ERC seven twenty one marketplaces. Which the ERC seven twenty one means that it's not quite as expensive, right? And there's not as much yeah, environmental so you're talking impact. About, like little to no environmental impact, little to no minting fees. It's like that's the future, right there. Yeah, that that is that's the future. future. That's the only way. I think it's yeah, gonna. Yeah. That it, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, yeah. I think that's the only way. Like because, as far as the environmental impact of it goes, you know, I I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure what all is going on. You know, some people have said yes, it's really bad. Some people have said it's not so bad. Some are like eh, it's kind of bad. You know, and, and a lot of people I'm are trying more to on that. It's it's kind of bad. You know, and I I get that. Yeah. That's why I, 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 in my opinion, are pushing more for this this type of stuff. This is groundbreaking. Right. This makes it, right. you know, good for the artist and you know have a have a, a clean conscience and stuff. I don't know. And Luis, the, my other link here, actually, Luis Miranda puts it great on his TikTok because he's not just doing like videos on his TikTok. He's doing like like renders on his TikTok. He's doing mm-hmm. videos where he's talking about stuff too. And one came across my TikTok where he's talking about. I forget what the percentage is of companies and in the world that mostly it's them that they're the ones that are causing the big environmental impacts in the world. Right. So, so you could, a lot of people are doing a lot of commercial work that is for these companies that are the big uh, companies (laughs) causing the environmental problems. Right. So it's like, you could render for them all year doing all of these big corporate things mm-hmm. and contributing to what they're putting uh, in the environment. Yeah. Or you do one NFT, and for some people that means a year's salary. Yeah. And that's it, and just the one. So he had a good take on it, and an that's in, on TikTok. Mm-hmm. I'll put a link to that so you can check it out if you're still on the fence. Uh, and I know a lot of people are. Yeah. So we're kind of working through this together, trying to figure out a, what is the actual environmental impact? Because I, I really right. feel like there's a lot of less like conflicting information right now. It's just like, when can we figure out exactly what this is? But then um, also, how how can we make it better? Yeah. Uh, that's, it's... The- the money part is what makes it so tough. This this yeah. this dangling right. of you can make so much money is so difficult to resist if you're on the fence mm-hmm. about something but you feel you feel like this is how I feel. So I'm in a position where I'm like I'm on the fence, right? So mm-hmm. But I'm watching people barreling past me yeah. towards the light, you know, and I'm like I'm kind of like waiting and I think the money part of it and this this feeling of like anxiety of if i don't get in now it'll be too saturated and i won't be i'm going to be missing mm-hmm, my opportunity right. and that's the part that i think that blasts through all these questions for people of like um the environment and the, the yeah. ethics or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. all Absolutely. the different things and it's and i get that. i mean you can't argue it's hard to argue that is hard out here right now that yeah. the uh, economy and the world we live in it's um, it can be scary. And like, um, I would never, um, I, I've talked to people and I've read a lot of articles and like just within my inner circle about like what the impacts are, the environmental impacts and trying to gather that information. But like, I had a friend that was like, I understand, but I, if I can make money on this, I need to do that. I'm like yeah. in this position where I, yeah. and I'm like, I mm-hmm. would never yeah. 
get in your way or judge you for that. Like, man, life right. life is hard and scary and like yeah. so but it it is like a really it's fascinating on an intellectual level and on a technical mm-hmm. level. Um I I I minted something, but I haven't promoted it because yeah. I'm like, let me just go through this process and see what it's like. I like Then I think that's well, great. I think that's absolutely I think everyone should go through that process because then they not they not only realize that, you know, it's an awful process to go through, you know? Yeah. And it, it costs money to have to do all this stuff. And you're like, wait, we should, so I'm going to spend $150 definitely... to maybe try and make a couple right. hundred dollars? Yes. And that's you know? where, when people talk about it being like a, like a little pyramid scheme or a little bit, yeah. like your, your spider sense, my spider sense went up. I'm like, oh, I just paid a bunch of money. They, so I just paid somebody some money. Right. And now I have to go and promote it on my social channels. And like, mm-hmm. it's not like, foundation is going to promote it because i'm not some big name right i'm right. i'm me and like right. that's fine and that's fine for me to promote it too i don't even like have a problem with that but it is like right it, it, and then all the stuff with like getting a coinbase getting a metamask getting right. the, my bank account and like what does it mean all those like technical questions could this go poof tomorrow the people that lost their right god it's all just like Again, intellectually really fascinating, but also here's here's something that I was we should saying. put a we should put a pin in this until yeah. the drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fine because I want to make sure it's in that show yeah. because that's released separately. Sure. So just hold on to that. I hate sorry, to do Dave. This, you're gonna have hold to, on you're to gonna it. have to insert that from the editing and the, yeah, no. put yeah. on your editing no, hat. No, no. no editing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back. Uh, I just wanted to do these two other links real quick, and these are the ones that I didn't have. Number one, I saw that Ren was, uh, let's see, Ren was was uh, playing with this app oh, yeah, called yeah, yeah. CamTrack AR. So I tried it, mm. and what it does is it, it records video on your phone, but it, it keeps all the camera data from mm-hmm. the phone. It's really cool. So I tried it. I plugged it into After Effects. I had some planes floating around this room in in no time so that's cam track ar there's another one and i am gonna put it in the notes i don't know the name of it phil roberts told me about it and essentially what it does is you can take a bunch of photos of somebody kind of like you would like if you were doing a a deep fake or something right but you you put all the dots on the eyes the nose the mouth and all the all the features and it takes all of those photos and then it takes a like base model of a face mm-hmm. and it turns that model into that face mm, yeah. based on those photos and everything. And that's a blender thing. Yeah. The, so well, I'll, I'll try and is, find the I'm name of the sure plugin. That exact that's cool. Same, uh, that exact same plugin uh, uh, is made for nuke as well. I think it, oh, because I've nuke. seen, okay. I've seen some nuke stuff where they talk about, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. That's, yeah. that's really cool. For, cool. for avatars too, you know, like if you're making right? like the idea that you, you can have a sort of realistic ish avatar just with a few photos would be mm-hmm. sick. Yeah. So um, let's do this then, because, again, I want to get back to your your NFT conversation, mm-hmm. <laughs> but let's do MoGraph recommends really quick. Um, we're going to uh, just we'll just dive through these and go through them real quick here. Tell us about your favorite movie. My favorite movie is, there's many, but Mm -hmm. I always say American Movie, which is a documentary that came out in the late 90s. 
about a guy named Chris Borchart, who is a guy who lives in Wisconsin and is a filmmaker and makes horror movies. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't, I don't want to, you just need to watch it. It's, it's just these, the story of this guy who is, um, a regular guy that just loves making films and the people around him and his passion to make his film. It's a very like intimate story, but I saw this film in college and it was like at Sundance and it's kind of a little bit of a cult classic, but, um, mm-hmm. I'll be right back. it, it woke up my mind to documentary and it being something more than, you know, the, uh, what's the guy who does the camera pans and the really great PBS docs. His name just flew out of my mind. Oh, oh. <laughs> Ken, Ken Burns. Burns. That, that was yeah. what I knew of documentary up until yeah. seeing this film. So American movie is, is what it's called. And it's just, it defies description a little bit, but it's my favorite movie. Have you seen the new Godzilla versus, what is it? God, <laughs> versus King Kong. Kong versus, yeah. Oh my gosh. I haven't here's what I'll say. And uh, I think a lot of people agree with me on this is that the graphics are so good. (sighs) Like these water Sims and all of this, but the story is awful. (laughs) Like the story was so bad. Like it was so unbelievable. And I know it's a giant gorilla and whatnot, but but the story, it can be, it's like the, the, uh, that Kong, I liked the Kong movie um, from whatever it was, six, seven years. How long ago was the last Kong uh, yeah, film? Yeah, it was a while back. That was a good, yeah. that movie was good. My, like, the story, like, I was into it. I bought it. I, like, um, so I'm disappointed to hear that because there's a lot of anticipation for the, the Kong versus Godzilla film, so... I would still say watch it, but it's like, first of all, it felt like it could have ended 80 times. It was so (laughs) long. It was just like VFX for the sake of VFX. And every time it's something's over, you're like, okay, disaster averted. Now there's some other random disaster. (laughs) That's like, it's not even just random. It's like so off the wall that you're like, what is going on? And then this whole, and then the whole time there's this little kid in it. That's like the daughter of somebody, and she just keeps being taken yeah. on all of these extremely dangerous voyages, you know, and crazy boat and airplane rides. You're like, why would you bring your kid on this? Like, why? Get a sitter. So it's like, not so know. bad that it's entertaining. It doesn't. It doesn't delve into the the ridiculous Sharknado level. No, it's not to that point. Mm. It's not to that point. And and I kind of get the whole feeling of like you know just the whole go with it thing. Like, you watch a Marvel movie or something, sometimes it's ridiculous. You're like, just, just go with it. Yeah. Right? Like, yes. it's not a, it's not supposed to be, <laughs> but it was like, what is this story right now? Anyway, <sighs> I diverted. I'm still going to watch uh, it. Just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because, like, gosh, the water sims, you're like, okay, this is Gabby Houdini. Some of these water sims are so good. The bubble guy. It's so good. The bu- back to the Pixar, yeah. bu- whoever the water guy is there was... Totally. Who's ready. He brought his... Or she brought their A-game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a water sim nuke, uh, or, or Houdini person who was just like, this is my this jam. Is this is what I was born for. <laughs> and just made these amazing shots. God bless and, him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about music. What kind of music do you like? I it runs the gamut um, from my favorite two artists of all time are 
Dolly Parton and Whitney Houston. And you met Dolly Parton. I met Dolly Parton. I I used up like five years worth of birthday presents with my partner. I was like, listen, we can get meet and greet with Dolly. It will be an exorbitant (laughs) fee, but I will die a happy person if we could do this. And we, whatever, we did a meet and greet with Dolly and she was amazing. And she, and, uh, she's my favorite. She's, if you guys haven't listened to, I know we're going to ask about podcasts too, but like the podcast, Dolly Parton's America, I can't Uh recommend enough. It's just a great story, um, of, of her and who she is and why she's more than just, you know, boobs and wigs. She's really a, a, an American treasure and such a talent. Have you ever seen nine to five? I mean, great movie. Great. I've seen nine to five so many times. <laughs> it's I really have. Dolly Parton's movies are really good. Actually, Straight Talk is also a really fun watch, except James Woods is I not my favorite. But but Straight Talk is really a cute movie. She like stumbles into a you know, a radio to be a receptionist and then she gets put on the mic, of course, and she's very charming and becomes the most popular radio host in Chicago. It's fantastic. A little rom com. What year was that? Was it late eighties, early nineties? Yes. I'm going to guess like 92, I think that movie came yeah. out. And my mom's from yeah. Knoxville, and uh, Dolly's oh, from nice. right outside of Knoxville. So I we used to watch her movies when I was a kid, uh, and I think that, that was how I knew her more was for her 80s movies than I knew her for her music. But then in yeah. college, I got too. really into her music. I've been to like a bunch of her concerts, and like, yeah. Do- I mean, Dolly's... I'm guessing you've been to Gatlinburg. Then. I have. I have. I actually oh, went Gatlinburg. to Dollywood right before I moved to Hollywood. With when I was ready to when I was moving out to Los Angeles, I my mom and I made a little pilgrimage down there and went to Dollywood and had a great time. <laughs> I've stayed at the Gillette Motel in in uh, Gatlinburg so many times. I haven't been. I haven't been Do, since that time. I've never been. To, is that like a a cool hotel there? It it is it is a motel. A motel sweet, even better. <laughs> it's yeah. It's I mean it's yeah. Yeah. It's exactly what you'd expect from a motel. I love that. I love that whole area, though. Yeah. You know, that, that whole area, Knoxville, Gatlinburg, all of that. The Snokies are um, great. But, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I totally knew her from 9 to 5 to start out. Yep. Yeah. And who was your other favorite? Who's oh, your other Whitney Houston. Favorite? Whitney Houston. Or Whitney Houston. I love, yeah. like, 90s R&B. I, I was really into R&B <laughs> and hip-hop as a, as a youth. And then uh, when I got a little older, I... I and I went to college and I started listening to punk and the Smiths and, you know, I got nice. into, you know, I'm from the suburbs of Cincinnati. So a lot of the, the music, like my parents listened to a lot of like soul music. And then in high school, you know, I listened to a lot of pop music and like fish and stuff like that. But then I really <laughs> got, had my eyes, my ears opened up to a lot of different types of music when I got to college and I listen to everything now. Um, my my work playlists are like totally psychotic. They just go from like you know it's like Kylie Minogue to like you know Death Grips to Barbra Streisand. Right. Or, I don't know. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, That's my funny. Spotify sometimes is like George Strait followed by Skrillex. Yeah, yes, yeah. That's the weirdest. But that's, we make our, you know, we make our own like (laughs) soundtrack and it's unique. (laughs) Right. Now, what about TV shows? I have weird TV taste too. I watch, um, I really like, because I work very hard, I like to just really kind of check out when I watch TV. So I don't get into Mm -hmm. a lot of the big, 
story driven stuff as much. I love, I bought, um, discovery plus and I love watching like triple yeah. D and you know, home, home improvement shows. <laughs> but I'll tell you one show that I like really enjoy on Netflix is the show about F1. Um, it's called like F1, like, Oh yes. But it is such, I mean, even if you like, don't care about race car driving, it uh -huh. does a, such a good job of introducing you to the sport and, and showing you that the sort of drama and um, how exciting the sport is. It's just a really well done series and all the, all the intricacies too, and the battles between like the team principles and like whose car and like the sort of cattiness of like, Oh, you can't do that modification. And like, there's like some real techie kind of um, stuff. And there's like the, the Goliaths and the, you know, the Davids, the people that don't have as much money, but they still manage mm -hmm. to like do well. And then all the drivers themselves. So I, we just finished binging season three of the F1 show on Netflix, which I like I'm cool. super into. <laughs> I'm going to check that's it cool. out. Cause I'm super like out of stuff to watch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the, I got three seasons right for now. you. You can bust through those like in a week, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, totally. even if you don't like, if you're not into race car driving, I think there's there's something in it for for everybody. Now Kevin says that the Netflix F1 series is good, but Breaking Bad is oh <laughs> the best show he's ever seen, except maybe The Wire. Hmm. Those are classics. You can't give those answers when somebody asks right. you for TV shows. Yeah. It's like, yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> Of course I watched. Breaking and Solar Bad. Opposites is back on Hulu, by yeah. the way, I, which is a great show. I don't show. know that one. Yeah. Oh, okay. man, uh, it is uh, so Justin good. Justin Roiland, it's... creator of Rick and Morty. Okay, He's yes. Got his own. Yes. Yes. Which, a lot of new the, Rick and Morty, I've... June 20th. June, yeah. Is it on Hulu? Uh, Are they on Hulu also? Uh, Rick I, and Morty is. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It is. Uh, uh, I don't know if it still is. It's on HBO Plus. Or yeah. H, yeah, HBO whatever Max. it is now. But uh, <laughs> HBO Max. But the, uh, the thing about Solar Opposites and... and Winbush and I were talking about this actually is we sometimes feel like Solar Opposites is better than Rick and Morty sometimes. Really? Depending on the episode. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Really, really. It's one of those things where there's only eight episodes a season, but you've almost got to go back and watch them like a bunch of times. You'll miss jokes. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just on. Yeah. And I love those because those are the ones you can go back and watch like four or five, six times an episode mm -hmm. and just every time there's more and more to take in. So. Yeah. Those are the best. Rewatches uh, are the best. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. The other thing is, and I've mentioned it before, but uh, For All Mankind, if you haven't yeah. seen that on I did. Apple. I watched the first oh, couple episodes. I need to list. go back. It's on. So good. It's, uh, I remember, it's on Apple TV Plus, which is also where my show is on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That show was good. And the, um, the Reese Witherspoon, you know, series on that on that network was good too the um the news desk one what the heck was it called oh my god oh yeah uh morning show, morning show. I, right i didn't like yeah. it i don't know like i was expecting with you the know cast. jennifer aniston and yeah with that cast yeah that it it, mm. it wasn't going to be serious i thought it was going to be funny oh yeah. i had no oh. idea what it was going into it and i was like it was Ooh. heavy I'm, I'm not, yeah, this is a little too heavy. I, I need, I need the office. I need to go back to the See, office. See, that's what I, I need. Light fair. Yeah. Like I watched that show, and I, I like, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. I can't. My girlfriend watches The Bachelor, and I, she sucks me into that show. <laughs> and I, it's like that. Those are things that my brain can like handle, especially. Have like, you watched? Have you watched Ted Lasso? Oh yeah! Oh yes! Oh, so so good. good. Yeah. 
so, so that's good. the that's what I'm talking about the the kind of show that like you want to sit down and watch like at the end of the day mm-hmm. that's not gonna like destroy your soul and like right make right. you have bad dreams right. and stuff. I remember speaking of Breaking Bad. Remember like binging that and then like going to bed and like being like, am I a bad person? Like, like it's just like <laughs> or, seeped in or feeling you. like you were in the show. Yes. You're like, how am I going to get out yeah, of this exactly. one? Right. Oh, wait, exactly. It's not me. Like having like dreams and like being filled with anxiety and like, yeah. I can't do that anymore. My constitution can't handle it. I'm too old. <laughs> the, the chat's talking about the wall subplot. <clears throat> There's a subplot inside of Solar Opposites. That's oh, so good. It's a whole nother show inside the show. Oh my God. It's really good. That's funny. That's genius. Well, uh, it's not really a spoiler, so I can say this, but essentially there are people who are shrunk down by the aliens in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they put them inside this little wall where there's a whole other mini person wall story going on about. Yeah, it's like meta story. In fact, the the seventh episode of the second season, they might have done this the first season too. Uh, is a whole episode yeah, they did devoted it in the first to it. Season because an epic. I've, I've only yeah. seen the first season or part of it. Oh yeah, it's yeah. so. Good. I'm gonna watch it. It's and you for yeah. It's I mean it, it's amazing how much story there is that's pu- that's pulled out of that. Even though you only get these little snippets of them throughout eight episodes. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Any other podcasts? Speaking of which, um, I uh, listen to the one. yeah, I listen yeah. Dolly Parton's America was really good. Um, I always listen to Design Matters, and Debbie Millman uh, podcast where she interviews a lot of different people in the design world. Um, I love Brene Brown's podcast. I don't know if you guys know who Brene Brown is. Brene mm-hmm. Brown is great. She's like um, she did this TED Talk years ago. Her, she's like an expert on like shame and like like there's like certain things hmm. like it's psychology but anyway she she does this work now where she speaks to you know speaks about leadership and speaks about like being really um vulnerable and honest and ugh, i'm doing a bad job of summarizing Brene brown she's from texas <laughs> she's like a real talker you know she's not like oh uh-huh. crystals and like floaty things she's like keeps talks very straight but is like very um for me again like talking working with people more and and getting outside of my little computer in my box and thinking about how I interact with the world um how I interact with the people that I work with and even like things that have come up like she did a great job and interviewed some great people around um you know when George Floyd was murdered and the 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 subjects and the turmoil and and the things we're still dealing with today with racism she talks about that um anyway Brene Brown is just somebody I really like listening to and i like listening to um creative pep talk which andy Mm -hmm. j pizza he's his episodes it just feels like you're kind of just he's so he's an illustrator and there's something about the way that he talks i'm not an illustrator i don't like work in his world but like he it's just him talking most of the time just about like creativity and trying things and it's just kind of like a wholesome creative podcast Mm -hmm. it doesn't like it doesn't it's he has guests on sometimes but it really is just about sort of like i don't some again like something kind of like lighter and like just it helps you ask questions about yourself mm-hmm. and how you're working and can offer some insight but those are there's also a basketball one that i listen to as well i love basketball so i ner- yeah. nerd down on basketball podcasts mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now what about uh plug-in not non-render engine. We'll, mm. we'll specify. What's your favorite plugin? I, I think if I like had to pick one that I could, like you, 
you only have to use native plugins in After Effects, but you can have this one plugin. I would pick, I'd probably pick Particular. Okay. Traco mm-hmm. Particular mm-hmm. is like a powerful little guy, and yeah. you can do a lot of fun, interesting stuff with it, and you know, add some details, add some anywhere from like dust to like making bigger particles and doing strange things with it. I like, you know, but I may be old school. There, there's some little ones too that do really particular things. No, sorry, not trap code particular. <laughs> Certain things um, that <laughs> might be specific that make for me plugins is just about like doing something faster. You know, that's, right. that's all it really right. is. Like there's plenty of things that you could do with native plugins. If you spent the time to add them all up and, and tweak all the different settings. The other one I use a lot. I, I love, I do love using red giant universe sometimes like in magic bullet looks just to get, get a, mm-hmm. a, a, a color correction mm-hmm. or a flavor or something, uh, yeah. into my, you know, a bloom or a glow or, um, one of my favorite tr- tricks I used to do. I don't do this as much anymore is doing the pop filter, in magic bullet looks, which gives, gives it this sort of like fake HDRI, like crunch. Um, Oh yeah. Like that high contrast. Yeah. Not hmm. quite the David Hill style, but I know. Yeah. And I don't, it's, it is a little bit, I don't think it's dated, but it's like, it's like, you got to do it with a deft hand, especially if you have more beautiful, the more you get into 4k and doing beautiful stuff, you don't want to be so heavy handed with it, but especially in the sports world you know you get these things that have a kind of a glow to them you know and a softness mm-hmm. and it's like oh i just need to like crunch that in a more sophisticated way than just you know doing an s-curve um so right. that little pop just jack the pop up all the way on the magic bullet <laughs> looks was that was like my go-to make it pop <laughs> yeah it makes a pop make it pop make it pop that's Why right <laughs> what about your go-to muscle memory app on your phone my, oh, my muscle memory app is Instagram. Yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Twitter. Oh, God. I'm addicted to Twitter. I had to delete it for a while. Yeah. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't say much on Twitter. Like, I'm a retweeter, mm-hmm. you know? But mm-hmm. it is, like, the most addictive, crazy app. I, mm-hmm. I do when I get... I do have to go through periods where I have to stop using it. Um, because it's, yeah. it's just the dopamine, you know? The refresh and everything. It's mm-hmm. just... Ugh. Um, but it is funny and entertaining too. And there's some really funny, if you get into those, you know, grooves of groups of people and that, that yeah. mm-hmm. are just funny on Twitter. Like I have so many screen grabs of tweets that I just go back and will read. My favorite one was somebody that said, when I sign a, an email best, it's short for, I am the best. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was like, that's so funny. Um, and my non like trigger finger one that I love is, um, and I guess you can do it now if you have a lidar, uh, new iPhone, but skin connect, mm-hmm. like I love 3d scanning yeah. stuff Cool with my oh, phone. Yeah. Me too. I love 3d scans. I love bringing, you know, real stuff from the real world into, you know, this, the MoGraph world. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like a thread you might see in some of my work, but I love, the fact that I can scan something with my phone, like even That's on cool. my, my little yeah. logo thing, um, on my, my reel, I took, this is before you could do it with your phone. I took a Xbox connect and like, um, scanned myself with it and just kind of like moved it around myself and it was messy on the edges and it right. looked, it looked, Oh wait, connect is the one I'm sorry. Connect is the one I used on my computer with the connect. The one on my mm-hmm. phone is called Turnio T R N I O. 
Okay. I have so many 3D scan apps. Yeah, and I guess I've been doing that like with home remodeling projects and things, like scan stuff and bring it into cinema and like figure out what I'm going to do first with measurements. And oh, that's cool. Previs. Yeah, Turnio. Let me see if I can see the look. T R N I O. Does it do well? It's five dollars. It it does. Am I, am I gonna it's, love spending this five dollars? I'll pay you back <laughs> if you don't like it. How about that? I'll give you a money back right, guarantee on this. I'll app. send you an invoice. It's very easy to use. <laughs> yeah. I will Venmo you five bucks so you can. Couple try it ether. Out. Couple ether. <laughs> I'm not yeah. I'm not endorsed by them. I don't know the people of Turnio. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Do you play video games? I used to. I love to play. Um, Skyrim is my favorite video game of all time. I mm-hmm. love that. Skyrim and Red Dead Redemption. That's it for me. Those are like cool. the mm. video games. And I could I go back Except to Except that 45-minute intro that you have to do on yeah, uh, second Skyrim. Skyrim. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. I'm waiting. Well, actually, the same for Red Dead. Yeah, they have a really long intro as well, I guess. You know what I like to do is go into Red Dead Redemption and play poker. It's like oh, the dumbest funny. thing ever, yeah, but it's like funny. super relaxing. And then like get up, maybe ride yeah. my horse around or something. But like, yeah, I love open world games. Um, but the problem, yeah. I just I get sucked into them and then I play them and I it's like it's like it's like an all or nothing thing, you know. And I I have to like abstain. Yeah. And there's just so much software to learn that I just like don't have time to play. Right. My, if I'm gonna be looking at a screen, I feel like I need to be yeah. learning something. Yeah. But I'm hoping like. If I retire one day, I really do want to play a lot of video games. I want to be that cool old lady with the headset that, like, you right. know. There was, like, a video once, I think, of, of a lady that loved Skyrim, was, like, obsessed yeah, with Skyrim. A, yeah, she's that? a grandma. Yes. Like, a grandma yeah. gamer or something. Yeah. And I tried to play. I tried to play. I'm terrible at online games. Like, I tried to get Elder mm-hmm. Scrolls online. Mm-hmm. And there's all these. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm running Same. into a cave, and there's, like, 30 people running into the cave with me. Like, who are you? Mm-hmm. Why are you in my Skyrim right now? Like, this right. is my <laughs> private place. Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, Leroy, right. everybody Leroy Jenkinsing all over me. Yeah. And that's not why I play video games. I want to be alone in my little, like, fantasy world and, like, make right. potions mm-hmm. and, like, smite dragons. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoy just like going to my going to my yacht in GTA and just hanging yes, out, or, right. or going to the bar and playing darts. See, just sometimes you, know? you just want to chill. Bros just right. want to be dudes, yeah. and you just want to go and play poker, and you just want to play darts, and that's so much mi- so meta. <laughs> yeah. so, <laughs> it's so meta. Yeah. It's like I want to go to my virtual yacht inside of a game and play some virtual darts with some virtual friends. Don't fight it. <laughs> Don't fight it. Pretend that the world isn't the way oh, it is right. right now. I got an Oculus. I got an <laughs> Oculus Quest recently. Uh, oh, they're great. Oh, that's my escape. So much fun. So that is my. Uh, and just as like addicting though, where I've kind of had to set it down and walk away a little bit because I'm like I can't uh-huh. be putting this thing on for like long periods of time. I can't do it. So, um, but I I've been sitting in my moon pod. It's like a beanbag chair, <laughs> and I'll put it on, and they have this section in there that's just like cool 360 videos but they're in stereo it's not like the like flat 360 videos it's like really good like the slow-mo guys or whoever they are they do slow-mo stuff now in 3d and so you you can see these 3d like slow-mo videos that they do of stuff and it's in your face and 3d or flying through a mountain and it's like Man, this is so nice because I've been in the same room for about a year. Yeah, right. <laughs> it is. I do like the more chill experiences. There's like a, a meditation app 
I think it's called Trip with two Ps. And they have these, Uh like, very... I mean, it's still, like, because it's, like, cell... It's, like, mobile-level graphics. Like, it's not perfect, but it's enough that you, like, buy it. And if you just let yourself kind of relax and and have fun with it it's it's pretty it's great. called trip uh, see i gotta look this up because i'm looking for more stuff like that yeah like super like like, like don't get me wrong i love playing beat saber and doing all that stuff mm-hmm. sometimes i want to put on the headset and just sit there and look around yeah 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 that's trips a good one they actually have what's the other one there's like a workout one that has meditation oh. in it supernatural both of these, yes. I think you have to get like subscriptions, which is annoying, but I think they, they'll give you some starter content. But Supernatural is good because they use, instead of trying to use videos to give you these 360 like landscapes, what they're really doing is taking like high res photos and then giving them life. So they'll like mm-hmm. put some water animation cool. in there, maybe animate the sky. So it's like, it feels like real enough, but they just animated just the essential parts to make it feel alive. But the resolution's really nice. So that's a that's cool. good way to approach that yeah. low res problem. Super cool. All right, last one. And then we got to go to the drop because Matt's got a hard out. Um, life hack. And Mitch Meyer's example is turn your toaster on its side for some bomb ass grilled cheese. This one, I am like terrible at life hacks. And I like sat there and tried to think of some great life hack. And I just came up with like, go to bed at the same time every night, which is not a, a good, good. Life good. Hack. Yeah, that is kind of a good life hack. I guess I, my, yeah. I really believe in sleep. Like, mm-hmm. and it's hard. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people in the audience, uh, people in our work uh, don't sleep. You know, we were like, yeah. whatever, I'll sleep when I'm dead, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, but, and that works, I think up until a certain age and then like things are going to start cricking and creaking and not working this at your brain might slow down. And I, I really believe that sleep is like the fountain of youth. And I, mm-hmm. I'm like a real like data geek. I have this whoop strap. And this is like for real athletes, which I'm not at all. I'm very sedentary, <laughs> but it um, it's like a fitness tracker, but it tracks all this crazy amount of data. Um, W-H-O-O-P is the name of it. But it, it's, um, it tells you like your resting heart rate, your HRV, and like your oh, sleep, man. your sleep, you know, consistency. It gives you all this like really dorky stuff to look at. Um, and it's, I would not want to know any of that information. See, be like, <laughs> why are you still alive? Right. And that's, right. and that works for us guys for the, for, you know, we can do that for a while, but once we start getting, mm-hmm. you know, where we're getting, like you gotta, um, and sleep is like, to me the like working out and like eating really healthy. Sometimes that's like, mm, that's not going to happen but (laughs) sleep is something like you can try and do like try not to look at your phone right when you're in bed try to just get in bed at the same time every night like that if you can do that like you're gonna be happier and healthier and your brain's gonna fire a lot more quickly and Mm -hmm. you're not gonna get burned out as much you won't be as sad it's like it's like i'm a big sleep dork so (laughs) go to sleep (laughs) that's my advice All right, well, I think we are ready to do the drop. Are you ready, Matt? Let's go. The drop. Drop, drop. Is this the fucking mic? Drop. This is exactly what I should be doing. 
What's up and welcome to this week's episode of The Drop, your weekly source for all things NFT and crypto art, as well as upcoming drops by notable people in the MoGraph industry. Uh, Joining us today is Lauren Fisher. Uh, super excited about uh, some of the drops. It, it, it's been it's a it's a it's it's a, it's a weird week. I'll say that for for some of the the bigger drops, um, uh, notably uh, especially among like the nifty drops that I was watching. But you know there are there are a few very notable artists that uh, we should talk about. Yeah, um, and I know you're on a time crunch, Matt. So I am. we'll. we'll tear through these yeah today. hold on sorry i'm looking for the notes. Got a lot where are they that's for, that's for true do, 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 the drop list here we go all right so let me open up this real quick um first up uh am i gonna i'm gonna skip the community drops first we'll we'll go to the uh the actual yeah go to nifty cool first. so uh, yeah. uh uh nifty today uh arbin villa i'm messing that up totally um uh, Arvin did a drop on uh, uh, Maker's Place, I believe, um, like a week or two ago, and uh, they are doing a drop on uh, Nifty Gateway. It's a lot of the super similar, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, super similar, like uh, very, uh, uh, what is it? What is it? Uh, <laughs> satisfying? There you what go. Are you about? Satisfying. Seriously satisfying animations and stuff like that. Right. Um, so that's good. Uh, next up, we got uh, on the 6th. Uh, that was today, by the way. Uh, so if you mm-hmm. don't catch this, sorry. Go to the uh, the secondary market. On 4-6 uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, FuckRender and Zed are doing a coll- – they did a collab nice. together. They're doing a drop on Nifty, which is cool. Uh, next up, 4-7, uh, we've got G-Monk. Uh, G Monk's doing another drop uh, on Nifty, which is great. Um, G Monk stuff is really, you know, it's good stuff and it's sold really well. It, it's weird. A lot of people aren't like showing off. I, I wish people would show off the work that they're trying to sell instead of just waiting until the day of the drop. You know what I'm or saying? Or preview. Yeah. 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 Also, yeah. I, I just wanted to notate this because I think it's stupid, you know? <laughs> but okay. uh, Forbes, like Forbes. Is doing a drop. Like the magazine? So, like the mm-hmm. magazine is doing a drop on Wednesday on the 7th, which I don't, know, I don't know what that's about. I feel like it's a cash grab, but I could be wrong. You would hope that it wouldn't be. Right. I, yeah, 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 I don't know. What are they going to do? Like sell their the, – the, like the cover mm-hmm. of their – I don't know. Slam, don't Slam know. did that. Random. Slam Magazine is doing a, like a cover drop – so maybe it's a yeah. journalist, like a magazine sort of media, a way to like a brand, you know, there's a lot of brands that are trying to get into it. So I'm sure it's, that's all along those lines of it's, yeah. it's content, yeah. you know, and all, yeah. oh, we can, right. um, it's like, maybe it is a cash grab, but maybe it just is like more of like a, uh, an earned media or whatever thing to, to get attention to say, we're dropping mm-hmm. an NFT to, to be a part of that culture, <laughs> you know, or the, yeah. the thing. Yeah. Francisco in the chat said, dropping some stock tips. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious if it's like because the Winklevoss twins own Nifty, you know, hmm. it's like, oh, Forbes, you should totally do an NFT. It's like, right. now you guys are so out of the, the, the realm. But we'll Whatever. see. Yeah, it'll be know. interesting. Maybe they'll surprise us. Yeah. 
Um, on uh, the eighth, which I believe is what Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday. Thursday. Uh, uh, Stuart Stuzor. Uh, uh, Stuzor is doing another drop, which uh, I made a lot of money off of Stuzor. I made like about three of his drops for two hundred dollars each, and I sold all together for around thirty six hundred dollars. So I was very happy mm. about that one. Uh, hopefully, I, I don't know what he's planning on price wise doing uh, this time, but I think I always think Stuzor is a great investment. You know, mm-hmm. if you're if you're looking to get in, if you're looking to do collecting stuff. So yeah. Um. Uh. Then four eleven, which I believe is Saturday, uh, or Sunday. Rhymes like dimes again mm-hmm. is doing another again. drop. Yeah, I know. Like Dang. It, they were on our first drop Making episode, money. I think. You yeah. know. Uh, is doing another, and it's some sort of special, secret, weird one. I, I don't know. He, he, he hmm. hasn't. They haven't teased anything. So, yeah. Um, hmm. Over moving over to Maker's Place. Um, so Justin Roiland is doing a job, a drop, which this one is actually very cool versus some of the ones that he's done on Nifty. Um, this one's he's actually like auctioning off some of the scans of the original ideas between uh, uh, Rick and Morty and stuff like that, which I think is very cool. I, I say if you if he was going to do that, I cool thought that was it. a good one. Now, uh, one thing to keep in mind that's today. Um, it could be happening now. I don't know, but there's a one dollar uh, 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 raffle that everyone I think everyone should hop on to try and get the one dollar raffle because. The thing is, with the $1 raffle, it costs you a dollar, but if you win it, you can resell it for like twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, you know? Same with the Beeple mm-hmm. one. The Beeple, he dropped one for $7 to seven people, and like they were going for like $300,000. So it's like, for yeah. the small amount, you know, I, I don't know. You've got a better chance of winning that than you do the lottery. The lottery, so, you oh, know, right, right. If you're willing to, you know... I mean, it'll it'll pay it back no matter what. And you only have to pay it if you win, you know? So you don't have to oh, pay it yeah. to enter. Then there's no reason to not do it. There's no <laughs> reason not to. Yeah, it's it's like free money. Free, it's free wins. real estate. It's free real estate. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking great. of hopping on it, we got some community drops, in, yes. including uh, mm. the first one. Man, I'm so excited the, about Brandon Parvini's. So Brandon, Brandon. Parvini uh, did a Oops, uh, drop on foundation, and this one I saw this one last night, and it is gorgeous. This is the level that I want to see in uh, NFT yeah. drops, right. like that. Meaningful. That is so so good because that's so. the question. Uh, Michael was asking, aren't aren't all drops cash grabs? And I, I don't think I don't so. Think I think when so. they're about the art. I, of course, I think, they're going to make money, but it's not like about just throwing anything out there. It's yeah, and so this is something that art. I was going to bring up uh, uh, earlier on the show was that um, I think I think the the NFT space as it is is changing. At at first, and I said this on Slack uh, a few days ago, it used to be all about just a cash grab, and all of us had this like serious FOMO about getting in while 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 it's hot and let's make some money right. and stuff like that. And the thing is, yeah, there was that, but I think the bubble has bursted. You know, like you can't buy something on Nifty and then turn around and flip it like a day later for twice as much money unless it's certain people, right? And I think mm-hmm. the ones who already made their their name in this space are going to stay popular within that space. And then the ones who didn't, this is just going to become a way of life for a lot of artists where especially once you get like the renders, 
you know, RNDR, you know, the Otoys who are making it to where there's minimal minting fees and uh, minimal. Uh, uh, it's going to become a regular It's thing. just going to become a regular thing. Yeah. And you'll yeah. have the other people who rise to the top still. Yeah, absolutely. That, you, know. you know, and it's once those collectors start finding these people, it's going to be just like an Instagram following. You know, it's going to be the yeah. next Instagram. You post your NFT, people can buy it. You can do, you know, collections or whatever. And then there you go. You keep making money off of it. And I, I think it's great. I think it'll, it'll be a great – once we get to that place where, you know, yeah. the environmental I- aspects are a thing of the past, the minting fees are a thing of the past. Once we get to there, I think this is going to become the new thing for artists. This is the new, a new way for them to make money. You know, residual income, not just yeah. their main income. So, right. Um, All right. We got a bunch more. Yeah, let's, I know. I'm sorry. I'm trying. Through. Uh, next Community. up, we've got Noah Wool. Uh, no, well, I, I love the character. I think the character is great. You know, like I love the, the, the skin shading and stuff like that. Really, really cool. Really pretty stuff. Um, ne- I, I'm going to mess everyone's name up. Nico Racco uh, in, our, his, his, uh, in our Slack. I thought this one was really pretty, you know. Uh, piece is called Elevation. That one is over on Rarible. Uh, next up, we got Garrett Appleton uh, did a drop on OpenSea. Uh yeah, super cool cube cube two cube, hypercube cube two hypercube, very fun stuff. Love the uh, love the smoke there. Uh, next up we got. I'm surprised this one hasn't been sold yet. Uh, Gu- uh Gustav, um, at botched. If you mm-hmm. uh, uh, this one is over at Rarible, like this one is fantastic. Man, this needs to be on Foundation. I'm just. Saying. I know. I know. I feel like this needs to be. It on is so pretty, so so pretty. I love that one. Like, yeah, absolutely, super killer. I mean, they've already sold four of them, four out of the seven. So, I don't know. It's you know against against the 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 moral code to drop it somewhere else, right? Well, you'd have to burn it on one and then move it to the other, yeah. but yes. Or yeah. or you could transfer it, yeah. for sure. You, there's ways to do that. So uh, Next up, we got Gav Grant. Uh, Gav Grant uh, did a, uh, a piece called uh, Fairy Tale. Really beautiful. That's so pretty. Gosh. He's got a couple things out right yeah. now, too, if you go look at his accounts. Man, I love the, the smoke in the background or the fog. That's super cool. Man, we got a lot of people, a lot of community drops. Oh, yeah. Uh, Scott Unruh. Yeah. Scott Unruh did a, a, a piece called uh, Breathing Eden. Oh, that's fun. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, composition's nice, too. Dave in the glitchy it- OBS transitions fire. <laughs> um, uh, next up, uh, Smearballs. OBS. Just another day that's at the office. Um, I, 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 lo- you know, I, I, I love Smearballs stuff. And uh, uh, he just posted something on oh, this Super is Rare. so great. I think I saw Paul Babb is the one who posted this. Oh, yeah, is. Where I saw funny. it, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. <laughs> no. Of course, Smearballs. Of course, right. And then you've style. got the, the face. No yeah, surprises here. Max her face in the, the cake. <laughs> yeah. So good. This is great. Yeah. I was watching that, and I was like, man, I remember those days working in an office and, like, having to... Oh, oh God. It was awful. Cubicles. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> next up, Mitch Myers. Uh, Mitch Myers did a drop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mitch Myers uh, Observers. Uh, this one cool was really fire. pretty. Cool fire, yeah. So pretty. That's I nice. love that like, you get like a, a story with it. You know, I, I, love, yeah. I love those drops, you know, versus just, a, 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 I, I guess, a regular looping animation. Um, Aaron Sorensen 
Uh, didn't we put, we did this one last week. We might have talked yeah. about this last week. Yeah, now yeah. That I think about it. But I, yes, I, I, I said I wanted but, to see just a little bit more. Again, or I wanted it to loop. Yeah, but yeah. Mm-hmm. it's very pretty. Sorensen does such good work. Such such good work. I love uh, the work uh, uh, Aaron Sorensen does. Uh, next up, Will, aka Revelo. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, just did a drop. This one is on Foundation, uh, Knee Deep in Paradise. That's what it's called. Very pretty. Love it. Um, I oh told him God, to. Travis. <laughs> I told. What did I tell him to name one the other day? It was uh, uh, Fish remember. Fingers and Custard. It was a. It was a. <laughs> it was a Doctor Who reference. I told him the name, and he did. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, next up, Travis Davids. Yeah. Yeah. I love the presentation of this. Yeah. Duna. Is that a a drop? It, on Maker's Place? It's, it's three different drops. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so each one is like through this viewing hole like yeah. with a person looking at it. I really love how this was done. Yeah, Such super a great pretty. Idea. Super pretty. Yeah. <clears throat> Next and, up, uh, uh, Luis Miranda uh, is doing a drop on Maker's Place. Now, this one has is like a redo because... Yes, because you know, he was worried about the uh, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, Five Nights at Freddy's IP. Yeah, mm-hmm. IP. Which is good. So. This is the right way to do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. He went back and redid his original render like this. Yeah. And, and it looks Super great. Cool and it's yeah, it looks great. Just different enough to not yeah. <laughs> violate any sort of copyright. It's an homage. Anything, um, so. Not much. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Phil Roberts. Oh, boy. Is this yes. the. Is this, oh, gosh. So yeah, I guess Jesus to Christ celebrate Easter, Easter you know, he did a Jesus Christ Easter edition. <laughs> so, okay. so buff. Well, there you go. Wow. So buff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that one would go over a lot better yeah. than it did. I Apparently don't know. It's, it sold one, and the one person is our friend Joe. Yeah, that's funny. But, uh, yeah, so get your hands on that. Uh, fast. Next up, Jan Sladeko. Um, space tr- space struggle episode four. If you followed Jan's work, yeah. uh, Jan does some super awesome stuff. Uh, All this the astronaut one is, things. Uh, the fourth one in his uh, his series. I love it. Yeah. It's so cool, so pretty. And he's going to be on in a few weeks or so. Yeah, I think. yeah, gonna, totally. Maybe about a month. And I see, think. you always get a good story with Jan's stuff. Like I think that's yeah, great. Really that's good. The way to do it. Um, all right. Uh, uh, also, Zomax. Uh, Cornelius Damrick is doing a drop on April 18th. That's uh, for Nifty Gateway, right? It's for Nifty. That's yes. going to be a big one. And, and he's got this one. little teaser. Yeah. So if y'all know, everyone knows Cornelius, you know, I mean, the the 52 Hertz, you know. Yeah. And, classic. Uh, yeah, classic. 6088 AD. Did you, know, you notice this? Did you notice the end of this thing? I did see it that it April says 18th, eight. The eight kind of yeah. hangs. Yeah. The eight? What's up with that? I don't Does know. Does it have to do with Crypto 888? Maybe. I don't know. We'll hmm. see. So yeah. uh, keep that one uh, Keep that one uh, on your radar. Um, next yeah. up. Uh, that's uh, it. No, that's it. Okay. Yeah, We're not that's doing it. Andy's. Yeah, li- oh, 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 oh. Yeah. That's Andy right. Needham also did a drop. Andy's. Where did uh, I put that? Foundation. It's, not, it's in your notes. It's on Foundation. <laughs> it's called What Is Lies it? Within. Where... What notes? Uh, I guess that's the the drop notes on Notion. On the new oh the new one that's oh I by the way Sorry. Uh, Lauren I found yes. that uh, student film uh, some listeners found the student yeah. film that you were talking about we'll put earlier. that in the notes yeah too. we'll put that one in the notes yeah. I just sent it here's to Andy you. Needham oh, okay yeah there's Andy's yeah so super pretty I love it I think it's great wait somebody found so. wormholes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <gasps> yeah yes it's on YouTube God I look for it every <laughs> once in a while and can't. So I'm glad somebody put it up there. 
All right, that is yeah, it Andy's for is real pretty here. community <laughs> drops and everything. I'm I'm surprised. I didn't I didn't realize there were that many uh, community drops this week. So I thought yeah, it was going to be kind lot. of a slow week when I was going through the the Nifty and everything. The thing is with Nifty and um, I, I'm not dogging on any of the other artists who are dropping this week because but they're just not they're not in the MoGraph universe per se. You know, yeah. and I do kind of pick and choose my favorites, yeah, and I'm sorry to some who yeah. I I don't I don't pick. You know, art is subjective, and mm-hmm. since I'm the subjective one right. who's picking it, I I get to choose. Who gets hey, to it's your show. You get to pick. My right? Right. <laughs> yeah, it's my show. I get to choose. So, but um, <laughs> if if anyone is doing any listeners are doing any drops. Uh, uh, in the next week or so, feel free to uh, hit us up and let us know. Uh, we'll feature it on the yeah. the podcast. So. And Lauren, we were talking earlier, and we're almost out of time here. But we were we were talking earlier about the the fact that some people are on the fence about doing NFTs. Mm-hmm. What do you think would change? Would would really get you to say yes? I've got to go do an NFT. <sighs> what would be your thing? Gosh, well, I mean, I I think. Resolving the environmental question a little mm-hmm. bit, and, mm-hmm. and I think, I think it also is. It's very mysterious. Like, like I signed up for, I got a, a foundation invite, and so I'm on, mm-hmm. I'm on foundation. I minted something just to go through the process and, right. and see what it's like. And I was, I was telling you guys that I haven't like promoted it yet because I'm like still trying to learn. There's so many facets of what NFTs, what this new sort of world is and like the the conflicts are not just one it's not just the environmental stuff it's like the money and who's in, who's profiting from it who the um the you know platforms are who's running them where's like and and the and how for me honestly what makes me nervous is the sheer amount of money that is being thrown around yeah. now on the smaller yeah. level like if it's like you're collecting your friends and they're collecting you and it's this way of mm-hmm. like supporting each other and that to yeah. me, that's really cool. This bigger yeah. thing where you're talking like tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars, whatever, mm-hmm. um, and the potential and the, the, the it's not just greed. I, I do, like I said, I understand people seeing an opportunity and wanting to make money, especially artists. You know, we get hosed yeah. all the time. But when we I do. start seeing <laughs> yeah. those levels of money, my little like red flag goes up, like kind of like, where, where's this money coming from? And like, who, yeah. who is, who, you know, if it feels too good to be true, it, is it, you know, and, and what right. are, what are the implications of that? And so I guess for me, it's a little bit coming from this place of like wanting to know more about that, but on the, the creative level and the, the, the community level and the, the potential, everything that you were talking about at the beginning of this episode about it becoming this true place f- to share, to collect, to have it really be that the pure aspirations of it are really intriguing. And I hope that starts to yeah. get more of a foothold and the, the, the other parts of it are uh, the question is like, is the, the, the underbelly of it or whatever, is that intrinsic to it? Mm-hmm. Like, does it, is this, it has to right. be that way it's built on that or is it something that can evolve and change and come into the light and um, be something that everybody can get a grasp on? Um, and yeah. understand what they're doing from start to finish. Cause there is yeah. this mystery again. Like I'm like, I'm signing up for something called MetaMask. I'm signing up for these things. I'm like, put, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yes. Okay. All right. Like I'm going through these steps and oh, I'm so excited. I'm getting that satisfaction of, I have a drop. I have a thing there. I'm connected with other artists, but then it's like, 
I'm still like waiting for that one moment to like really dive in feet first and be like, Hey everybody, this right. is my drop. And this is like, you know, right. because I am just like, I want to know what I'm endorsing, you know, and what I, right. and part of it too, is just like edu- me educating myself as well and spending all it takes is time, right. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. so that anyway, that's, I'm, I'm on the fence, but I'm, I'm not ver- completely rejecting it. Like I said, I've, I've minted something. I just, I'm not telling yeah. anybody about it, or I just told a lot of people, I guess. But you know, right, right. Um, it, it's it's definitely yeah. it's fascinating. That's that's what's my takeaway right now is just intellectually as an artist and us. I mean, imagine us like MoGraph people. We've always for so long felt like we were in the art world or the creative mm-hmm. world. These kind of people mm-hmm. over here in our own little lunch table, and now we're at the center of something that's so huge in the art world. And, uh, you know, I have people that reach out to me that are like, weren't mm-hmm. you doing NFTs, all your work and you could do so much and you could be da da da. I'm like, I know, but I'd like, <laughs> it yeah. feels weird to be hopping into something that I don't quite understand. Um, right. but I'm happy right. for, normalize. I'm happy for the homies though. You know, like yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. really happy for this community that I'm a part of and that I've been, you know, been watching grow over the last, you know, 15, 20 years, even, have this moment in the, in the sun in a way. And I just hope it, it continues to be, I want it to be a really positive thing and not something tainted by weirdness. Cause it, it, yeah. there are some yeah. great pure things to come from it if, when it comes to creativity and community and sharing your art, you know, and collecting. So yeah, yeah. totally. There you go. Totally. I think that I, I, uh, uh I think the, uh, the, prices as well i think they're going to start to normalize because as of right now you know with them being like one ether two ether you know three ether it's like oh man that's really expensive if i want to collect collect one of my friend's works yeah. you know it's like i don't have right i i love my friends but i don't have two thousand dollars to spend on them my wife would kill me right. if i spent two thousand dollars on a friend's work <laughs> right you know yeah but yep. it's like you know i think that i would think once we see the mint fees and you know all this other stuff go away you know things will be a lot more, you know, a a lot more obtainable, Mm -hmm. especially, you know? Yeah. So I hope so. So we got for the drop, Matt. It's all I got. Let's, uh, uh, thanks for joining us on the drop. If you've got community, uh, uh, drops, hit us up, let us know. In the meantime, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Yeah, Hit us up at info at mograph.com. Send send us your drop. All right, here we go. See you later. Is this the fucking mic? This is exactly what I should be doing. All right. right. And we're back. I think that about wraps it up. I think we're going to finish the show. You can rate us on iTunes, leave a review. You can also subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Helps get our ratings up. You can subscribe to our newsletter. I think that's might be going out this week if I can Mm -hmm. make it happen. You can say you've been there, done that, got the t-shirt with the MoGraph logo tee, the Paul Babfield, the Bab 2020 shirt, classic. classic. All the profits from that <laughs> go to, goes to uh, Doctors Without Borders. The Render Things t-shirt, hoodie, and long sleeve tee, the That Render is Fire shirt, which you're only allowed to wear, ironically. Unless, unless you're, you're Shams. Shams. Who's going to be on the show soon? Yeah. Is that next week? I, th- I don't know. It might be. I can't remember now. I have to go back and look. Uh, and then lastly, the MoGraph Blandishment shirt, which you can get. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, MoGraph.com. Yeah, Lauren, thanks week. for being on the show. Pleasure. Yeah, yeah Lauren, will be next thank week. you so much. Yeah. This was awesome. Thank uh, you guys so much yeah. for inviting me. What an honor. This, this was a good show. I, I, I feel like it's going to become a staple show that we can send people there to and say, here's a good example of what we should be doing every like a week. A well-rounded show. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, if people want to find you online, where can they find you? They at? can go to uh, my website is laurenfisher.com or thelaurenfisher.com if you want to use the. the. And my Instagram mm-hmm. is laurenfisherstudio. No C in Fisher. Those are my two. I won't tell mm-hmm. you to go to my Twitter because you don't need to go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram is a great place to talk to me. Yeah. And I love awesome. it. I'd love to hear from anybody out there. Awesome. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, that about wraps it up. Thanks for watching, everybody, and listening. And uh, until next time, I'm Dave. And I'm Matt. I'm Lauren. Have a good one. Later, yo. It's pretty good, I guess. MoGraph.com, an online resource for motion graphic artists. Start your week with the MoGraph podcast. Industry news, interviews with your favorite artists, and terrible humor. Watch live shows and interviews from MoGraph events like NAB, SeaGraph, HalfRes, and local meetups. <laughs> Our MoGraph talks feature live demos and motivation from artists all around the world. Sometimes you got to make stuff that you're not going to put on your reel, and I'm not here to judge. What if Rick and Morty show up for the countdown at midnight? That's where I peaked in life, in my career. we got to stop this thing, Rick! It's going to kill us all! Hear from the people that create your software, design your render engines, and artists that are changing the face of modern motion graphics. You get that render done. Yeah, you better frame, frame what? MoGraph tutorials and online classes will teach you about Cinema 4D, After Effects, as well as other popular software and render engines. Throw in the HDR Studio, take the render settings, pick the HDR, put a reflection, and gorgeous. Branch into new software, learn time-saving tips, techniques, workflows, and lessons that'll keep you up to date in the world of motion design. Oh, brother, those are some of my favorite elves. I love projects that scare me. When our art director comes to us and asks for something that I had never done before, man, it gets me pumped. Join the conversation in our live sessions. Check out our plugins or join the hundreds of daily active users in our Slack channel for technical help, advice, contests, or just to joke around. Real nice banana. Ah, that's so funny. All right. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> Subscribe today and get the latest updates on our YouTube and other social media channels. Take all your dreams and just do it. We don't care how you get here, folks. Just get here. Subscribe to MoGraph.com.